Hey, so we have a different kind of episode this time. Clay and I talked with my old friend, Seldom Needy, about My Little Pony. Specifically, the current and very popular incarnation of the show, and the very weird labyrinth that the My Little Pony fan community is. Seldom was my roommate a few years ago, and uh, he got me into the show. He was also very deep into the fan community and has, I think for five years now, been a part of Pony in a Box, which produces uh, My Little Pony Doctor Who hybrid audio dramas. And on his own time, Seldom has a YouTube channel where he narrates fan fiction. That's a YouTube slash need this tool. I'll put it in the, in the show notes. This is uh, it's a weird episode. This long, weird episode with a lot of terminology that the uninitiated might not understand, so I've prepared a really quick little glossary. Uh, first up is a headcanon. That's a person's personal idea of what counts as being canonical or true about a work of fiction. Lauren Faust, which is Faust, is the creator of the show, and specifically the current incarnation of the show, also sometimes referred to as Word of God. Uh, Equestria is the fantasy world where the ponies live. Equestria Girls is a spin-off movie series where the ponies are humans in high school. It exists to sell toys. Spaghetti, or spilling spaghetti, is a slang for slipping up and revealing something embarrassing or contextually inappropriate. In this episode, it's used in the context of bringing up being a fan of My Little Pony, uh, it's considered spilling the spaghetti, and it implicates you in, in negative stereotypes of the fandom. Clop, uh, if you can't tell from context when that comes up, just don't worry about it. Uh, brony, the popular term to describe adult male or any non-target demographic fans of the show. And we, we have a whole section on how we feel about that word, so that gets explained pretty well. Uh, yeah, prepare yourselves. This turned out weird. Uh, this is pretty, actually, kind of language explicit, so I don't think we have many kids in the audience. I, I doubt it, but don't. Just, just turn back now. T turn back now and, and live a happy, full, normal life without any spaghetti on your shirt. Hey, everybody. Hey, every pony. Oh, God. Are we gonna do this? Are we gonna, like, <laughs> But let's pony? not. Let's please not. <laughs> let's please not. Okay. We will not. Uh, uh, all human beings... Not horses or or equifilial equifilial uh, inclined uh, listeners. Uh, this is the third. You're, you're listening to the third episode of uh, I'm not an expert, but podcast. The first one. The first one where we're not going to talk about games because haven't beaten any games recently. So we're going to talk about small horses instead. And we have a great guest to to join us as we talk about small horses. We have seldom needy. Hey. hey, it's seldom needy, and Clay's here too. Clay? Yep. Hey, guys. You are here, right? Yeah. Good. So, Small Horses, also known as My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, uh, is one of these weird things that <clears throat> I think a lot of people know about, or at the very least were involved in, in some way. Either, like, you were involved in, like, the really early 80s, 90s, G1 through 3 stuff. Fem is, is G4, right? Seldom? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. That's correct. Uh, and that that launched in 2010, so it's been seven years now, basically, this fall. Seven years of, of, of friendship? Yes, started yes. in 2010. That's a long time for what was the weird news story 
you know, a society section of the new of the New Yorker type story for like seven six years ago, back when back when IRL people cared about cared about this weird phenomenon of people liking ponies. Oh, I thought you were going to say back when people read printed news. That too. That that <laughs> too. Um, but even back then, it was a, it was people were making printed news jokes. So. So uh, I want to introduce uh, Seldom here. Seldom, you two, geez, like all all three of us, like have been a, in some way involved in this fandom. Uh, that that yep. word like rolls off my tongue very poorly. This fandom, in some way or another, but like as of right now, I don't. My little card that I would give to people saying, "What are the what's the what's the stuff that I'm into?" Like ponies is probably not going to make the cut anymore. Not that I dislike it any less than I did, but you've always been super deep into like the community of people who make stuff. So like what what's your background for pony? Uh, well, I mean, I guess since I got since I all right, so like are we, are we allowed to say bad words first? Sure, time? yeah, yeah, you can. I Woo! I mark I mark okay. it explicit. So like if you want if you want to okay. call yourself a horse fucker, you can. All right. Well, that's all right. Good. Uh so you already did. Um <laughs> Uh, anyway, ever since I sort of, like, got on the ride, which is sort of, like, the pejorative, like, sort of channy way of referring to, like, being a part of, like, small horse community, like, not just watching the show, but, like, um, you know, going to image boards, like, posting, making content, like, wanting other people to make content, like, blah, blah, um, like, that was a, yeah, I, I've definitely been into it. Like, since I got into it, I've been super duper into it. So that was, like, winter of... So that was, like, late 2011. Um, and it was, like, the worst... It was, like... Yeah, I don't know. Like, it was the worst period of my life. And it was just, like, this, like, cool sort of chewing gum for the brain kind of thing that I was, like, hey, you know, after I started watching season two, I'm, like, wow, okay, I'm enjoying this now. Like, that's weird. Because, you know... And this is a very common story. You know, a lot of people they get into it to understand the jokes because like, especially around that time, and that's really when the fandom like was just completely blowing up. Um, and you were just kind of seeing this shit everywhere. Mods are and... asleep post ponies. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was inescapable. It was inescapable. <clears throat> if you lived on the internet. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Which, you know, I very much did. And so, you know, in just completely random places, I would see like mention see like jokes like people would be like discussing the episode or like making reference you know their most recent episode or making references to it and there were a lot of like kind of image macros like silly jokes and shit like that so you know i i kind of went down the rabbit hole initially because i was like i don't understand like i don't understand any of this humor and like that is something that that is something that i think myself and you know like for instance the people who run the know your meme wiki and stuff like that like they they're bothered by completely having things go over their head um, in terms of internet culture. And so I was like, all right, well, it looks like the best way to understand this. You know, I've done a little bit of reading, but it doesn't seem to explain anything, really, uh, other than saying that it's a show about talking animals, which a lot of shows, incidentally, are. Mm. Um, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, uh, I originally started watching the show, and then, like, by sort of end of the first season, beginning of the second season, I was like, yeah, you know, this is uplifting, and this is the thing that I can get into. Um, you know, and then I read some, uh, well, questionable fan fiction. And when I say questionable, I mean it was meant to be bad. Um, Are you talking about, like, and, uh, the cupcakes I'm level? Talking about, cupcakes level stuff? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm talking about cupcakes. Okay, I'm good, talking about good. cupcakes. All right, so I'm <laughs> sure we know what we're talking about here. What are, are cupcakes? cupcakes? Yeah. So... 
Uh, do you want to explain this or should I? Uh, I think you'll, I'll let you explain it. Play <laughs> cupcakes. Uh-huh. Um, cupcakes is a is a story. Yes. Uh, about ponies. It's a fan fiction. Um, by somebody. Go on. In the, it was it was made in like 2012. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's kind of like the pony fan fiction equivalent of like Goatsy. Like it's complete shock storytelling, uh-huh. wherein. I don't even remember. I've blocked a lot of it out, but it's just <laughs> well, Rainbow, Dash, get... Rainbow Dash basically is sort of the star of the human centipede hostel saw one through four <laughs> all at the same time. And Pinkie Pie is like a, the, tor- the torturing mastermind because like she doesn't in Cupcakes, is she, it doesn't isn't the Pinkie Pie character in Cupcakes like somewhat morally unaware of the consequences of her action because she, she keeps thinking like, I'm going to make great cupcakes with you. Uh, Rainbow that's, Dash and like just, yeah, that's her. that's right. She's not it. She's not uh, in the sort of original. I th- I think the, the the author's handle was it was something really silly like Sergeant Sprinkles or something like that. The the fic was originally written. This is my understanding. Uh, like because it got a lot of press. Like it it got featured on EQD, which is basically like I don't know what equivalent. Daily. It's yes, that's right. I'm just gonna so that's it. like yeah yeah uh, so. That's like the Equestria Daily is basically like the sort of the go-to news source for. Is it still the not hub ever... for Pony? I mean, I think so. Like, which is a little regrettable. Um, and we can talk about like the crystallization and evolution of fandoms and stuff like that, and like whether yeah, there's you know, and it reminded me earlier, like, and let's yeah, we'll, we'll make a note to talk about this, right? Like when you were saying, oh hey, if I. If I were to hand out like a piece of paper or a, you know a business card that described my interests, like you know ponies would probably be not on there anymore. Like, and personally, I would say they would like for me they would never be on there, even though I'm totally balls deep. I like, do not believe st- it when you say that. I do not. Believe I would not. You. I've never met listen, a human being more into pony than you are. It's Pinky was going to well, make maybe. Rainbow Dash into cupcakes. <laughs> yes, that's the joke. So anyhow, like Sergeant Sprinkles apparently like wrote. He apparently wrote this fic just as like a troll. It was a joke. Oh. Um, but what eventually what what happened is he posted it to Fimfiction, which is sort of like the fanfiction.net of like the pony fandom. And eventually people just started sharing it completely out of context without his knowledge. And it became massively fucking popular because it was like, you know, it was like uh, in, in, in the same way that, you know, one guy, one glass or two girls, one cup or like any of the sort of like sour math type, like look at this really gross, disturbing thing sort of things got around. It was very much like, hey, man, there's this great thing. You got to watch it. Or in this case, you got to read this. You know, you got to read this fic, uh, which is short for fan fiction <laughs> anyway. So it it just sort of like caught fire unawares of the like not, with without the intent, uh, without the original intent of the author. And, and people just like people initially thought that it, it's Poe's law, right? Which is to say, without sufficient context, it's impossible to distinguish sarcasm and irony from genuine, like a genuine expression of, uh, you know, opinion or sentiment, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, basically that's sort of like how it got around. And it was even fe- featured on EQD back back before they had a rule against like, you know, quote unquote, grimdark, which is exactly what Cupcakes is. Like Cupcakes is almost the definition of grimdark. <laughs> so yeah, like basically at the time, Everyone in the fandom had had read this fic, like blah blah blah. And interestingly enough, like it led, it had very, it had very interesting consequences. Like that that it was written because there were a lot of people who 
you know, were sort of serious, who were like very serious artists, like long before the pony fandom got started. And uh, this one guy who goes by Crooked Trees actually started an Ask blog. So like, this is something that I figured we would talk about. So like, are, are both of you familiar or maybe our audience may not be familiar with what an Ask blog is? Yeah, let's let, let's just let's give us real skinny for the audience. I'm familiar with Ask blogs. I don't know about Clay. No. Okay, so Clay and everyone else listening, an Ask blog is basically like, it's Okay, it's so it's a blog, but instead of posting as yourself, like as you would maybe on LiveJournal, just sort of talk about your, you know, where you'd sort of talk about your day or, um, you know, what's happened to you or, you know, maybe your your blog is about IT or programming or, you know, or tisanes or whatever. But with an Ask blog, you you essentially post like uh, like on behalf of a character and you take questions like it's sort of like an in ama for those of you who are familiar with reddit and in some cases people use it as a storytelling mechanism so they have a story and you people can ask questions and kind of influence the story or gain information at least about what's going on in the story um and in other cases there's it's more kind of like sitcom-y and there's kind of a hard reset every question or so so well, you're asked, blogging in character so it's yeah. almost a kind of an acting yes. exercise too for yeah. the, or I mean, or I guess a writing exercise acting a kind of in getting in character method it's kind of a method act method acting on tumblr yeah um, and most people like a typical ask blog will be uh, visual also. So it's sort of like a it's basically a comic, but it's kind of interactive like um, and in some, you know, and obviously some comics have like this long sort of running arc of events and other comics are just kind of they reset every day or every week or however often they run. So it's basically like that. OK. Um, anyhow. Uh, they're really interesting. They're really interesting. Uh, and there have been some super, super great ones, which have, you know, sort of come and gone and some are still around and some aren't. Um, anyhow, at the time, so this, this guy going by Crooked Trees uh, basically made an ask blog about this, about with his kind of own inter- interpretation of this crazy, of this sort of crazy version of Pinkie Pie who like cuts up her friends and, and, and uh, acquaintances and so on and makes them into cupcakes. Uh, I'm disturbed already. I don't think I want to hear the end of this. <laughs> and then feeds them to the, you know, to the to the population of of, of Ponyville. Uh, so uh, there's that. But the thing is, that also got massively popular, and that sort of spawned this entire like interest in ask blogging. Um, because many people, like before that time, I don't think um, had really ever seen that kind of like like that kind of method of creating comics and telling stories and stuff. So for a long time, um, around that time, there was this entire sort of little bubble, like uh, mostly on Tumblr of this sort of like cupcakes verse, like this sort of very grim, very serious and kind of wrong portrayal of Equestria, wherein, you know, everyone had some sort of dark little secret. This is where Pony.mov comes in too. Is this where, do you remember where in the timeline Pony.mov stuff started? That would have been later. Um, that would, that would have been later, but, uh, the, the author of that also ran an ask blog, also ran an ask blog and like eventually made animations for it. And that's where the sort of pony.mov thing actually came out of. Not everyone's aware of that. And he kind of makes some bitter snarks about how like most people will watch his animations, but like have no idea that he actually has comics. And like, there's a whole story actually behind what's happening. And it's actually like the animated part is more silly, but like there actually is kind of a story behind it and so on and so forth. Um, it only appears to have a story at the very end i I right but like i think i want to make sure that we understand something with you though is that you weren't like turned on to pony fandom because of cupcakes no not at all well i don't when i think of the kinds of pony art you are involved in i don't see you hanging out with the cupcakes people not really and and sympathizing with that kind of thing so 
Right. And and again, like, I just wanted to re- reiterate that, you know, Cupcakes was originally a joke, and it happened to just, like, it happened to have, actually happened to the sort of, the Crooked Trees interpretation of, of like, of, you know, the character, like, what would drive, like, what would drive a character to do that and stuff. Like, he had a very serious kind of, and, uh, 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 uh like unironic way of trying to interpret this story, which was very interesting. And everyone really, really liked that because there was this sort of mystery, like, oh, well, how can like the, the sort of happy, bouncy, like super sprightly sort of life of the party type um, character, like Pinkie Pie, like, y- y- you know, what could bring her down this path or whatever. Um, but I do remember, like, there was this sort of air of believability to it. Cause like there, for instance, there's one episode uh, early, I think in season like around the time that we meet Gilda the Griffin, Pinkie Pie is like trying to hang out with Rainbow Dash and she like chases her for like the better part of an episode and like sort of bends physics to like keep up with her and so on and so forth. And like having read Cupcakes when I saw that episode, I'm like, wow, Jesus Christ, like <laughs> too real, right? <laughs> the inmates are running the asylum and, and you know, it is interesting to, you can, you can really tell uh, in the show, like in going back to like sort of the canonical show. Yeah. Like, the show really sort of finds its voice halfway through the first season, which is very normal for shows. I mean, Star Wars Rebels also takes, like, seven, eight episodes to kind of, like, figure out what they want to be. And then I think they became aware of, like, the huge fandom surge uh, probably by by the by the second season. I, yeah. Do you think that they were—do you think that the, the gala— episode the finale for season one was uh at that point were they were they still do you think they were still making like just another kids show or uh, not not to say that that's what the show was even then because it was it from conception was better than any other interpretation of this kind of kids show right. archetype form like story format that had been around that then previously had been around so do you think that that was going on around that time i i would say they they were I think it was sort of a ramp like you know gradually they became more and more aware that that things had really sort of like taken off definitely by season two because like that was the time where it was like almost impossible to avoid like some image macro or some comment or like some like little piece of media or like hint that there was this sort of wildfire spreading throughout you know especially you know North American culture. Um, but in other places too. It took me a couple times to get into Pony. Like Clay, when did you first watch the show? <laughs> Where I can't. I'm trying to remember when you were introduced to this. I don't remember. I don't think it was me. No. Uh, let me see. My first exposure was to the first episode back in college. I was over at a friend's house, and he just said, "Hey, we're watching this." So uh, we watched the first episode, and honestly, I wasn't all that impressed with it at the time. We didn't even watch the second episode that wrapped it up. I love the first episode now, but I think I disliked it at first because it maybe it was like a self-fulfilling prophecy. I never dreamed it would be good, so whatever was positive about it, I guess I kind of disregarded. I don't think it's a good jumping on point, personally, but it's not terrible either. <clears throat> it's hard to... As a computer scientist, I always think about problems like this in a very kind of like mathematical sort of way, and the investment that you would need to make to figure out what first episode... Like what, what sequence of episodes to have? Like, if any of you guys remember that, like, excl- exclamation point symbol in math, that means, like, if you have, like, five exclamation point, it's, like, five times four times mm-hmm. three times two times one. Basically, if you take all of the episodes that have happened up until, like, now, or even if you decide, okay, well, let's cut it off and say that we have to start them sometime before, like, the end of season three or whatever, like, you have that number of episodes 
times that number of episodes minus one and so on. You'd have to do that many experiments and also have some way of wiping someone's brain clean so that you have anyway. You, <laughs> there's no real way of knowing which episode to start with is the best. So most people just say, listen, watch the first season, give it a chance. And that's how it is with most shows. You know, I don't think I liked I, I, I wasn't totally into Breaking Bad until the end of the first season. Like it, it's Same true here. for yeah. It's almost true. It's true for almost all shows. Like you have to watch the first season and then maybe a little bit of the second. And then, you know, and then you sort of and then you sort of know, you know, I, I was pretty convinced that because I basically caught up to where the show was uh, like one or two episodes into season two. And only then did I like after having watched one episode was I like, you know, actually, I feel kind of OK after having watched this show. And that was during, you know, during college with all of the academic stress and being in a new city and like, you know, so on and so forth. Like that was definitely like a benefit. And that was the reason that I sort of kept on, you know, kept on going. And then when I learned about like the community, like all of the music and um and stories and like and, you know, and fan art and like just kind of all of this stuff going on, you know, I'm like, wow, OK this like this is really really amazing yeah it it took me two tries to get into the show i actually i think i i I could be remembering it wrong because it is long enough time ago where i might be remembering incorrectly but i think in like the late 2010 like in like november or december of 2010 when i would not stop hearing about the goddamn post ponies mods are asleep yeah shit that was unfucking escapable in like fall of 20 like winter 2010 yeah. Uh, I think I downloaded the first episode, first two episodes, watched them, and was like, it's a kid's show. Who cares? Right. <laughs> like, it's, it's, right. This is a big deal. Like, this is. Uh, and then I kind of slept on it uh, for a year. And then when I moved back in with. Back in. When I moved in in 2012 with you and, and Tom. And Tom, and then, yeah. Like, then it was, it, was, it was too late because I had to be re exposed to the show. And then I think the show kind of won me. I felt, I felt like I was won over by the show as being just good and acceptable and and worth my time by winter wrap up probably ish winter 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 wrap up was incredible the other episode that i would say really really tends to sell people on the show would be uh um, there was one episode uh that has mostly a rarity and it's called dog and pony show oh yes that's an amazing that's like I so that for episode. yeah in, in case anyone like needs a refresher it's basically like rarity gets kidnapped by these the, these sort of like scruffy sort of canid critters called the diamond dogs and um she has the ability to find gemstones she has this spell that she can use to locate them so they want her to to basically hang out in the mines and mine and find diamonds and stuff for them um and although rarity's not like super strong and she doesn't have like kind of war magic or like or you know anything like that she's actually kind of prissy like you learn that that's mostly kind of a mask and that she's not really kind of just this frou-frou like pushover kind of empty-headed fashionista because she kind of she really extricates like by the time all of her friends show up to to save her she's just kind of like you know dusting her hands so to speak of like the bad guys um well she has all these characters have different approaches at least the main six anyway all have yep. different approaches to solving problems, and that's what's I think one of the things that makes the show especially good. Fandom stuff aside, social yeah. phenomenon, pop culture, you know, issue of twenty eleven, twenty twelve aside, uh, yeah. it's a good show for kids, and it's a good show structurally be- and for anybody because there's always conflict and there's always a novel way of solving problems. It scratches the same kind of itch in my brain, I think, as House and Doctor Who and Sherlock Holmes movies do. Not that ponies are like mysteries, but 
they're usually problems that are solved through either through cooperation or through like or, or like good, a good episode of Star Trek where they're like it's just smart people figuring a problem out by each individual doing something that they're good at in a unique and interesting way usually with some kind of interesting topic and social like value you can take out of it uh, and, right. and and they do that over and over again it's not just a bunch of I think that one of the worst episodes of Ponies, one of the worst finale is I think it was season four finale when it just turned turned into like a Dragon Ball Z fight with Twilight and <laughs> I think it was a Manticore. Uh, he's a centaur. He's a centaur. Yeah, he's a centaur. And I was like, this is not Pony. Like, what is this? I guess it was different for the time, but it, it wasn't. I couldn't explain why, but I didn't like it, and it's because and it's because it wasn't doing what I think sells me on the show, which is every character has a different way of approaching problems and solving them. And they all get a chance to do it in a way that is satisfying and surprising instead of just shoot the lasers at the dude until they die. Right. So question, uh, how far has everybody watched? Are we like, is everyone into season seven? And if so, how far? Or are we just at the end of season six? Like, just I am so at I know... the end of season six. I have not seen okay, the that's fine. I am like, we don't need. Yeah. Okay. I have seen uh, a few episodes into episodes uh, into season seven. Okay. Uh, same, same here. I'm on, I'm on episode 10. Uh, just for the, for both of, for both of you and anybody who has like happened to watch through season six, uh, season seven starts terribly. The first like three or four episodes are just unbearable almost. And then it picks up and then it just becomes great again. Uh, there's, there's that. Ponies have always kind of had like, I think this show has sometimes faltered on premieres and finales. Like they seem very hit or miss. Like you have like the. Canterlot Wedding, which is like the high watermark, and then it immediately followed by the first Crystal Empire story, which is the worst Crystal Empire story. <laughs> uh, it depends on how much you hate sp- you you like or hate cringy Spike episodes, because there is one that takes place in the Crystal Empire later. Oh, where Spike where... is the hero? I like that one. That was like that. Right? Hold on, hold on. No. He's not the hero though. He he isn't he supposed to sing or something yeah, like that? Like he's supposed to show up, and then he says he's going to sing. Like, he just kind of, like, randomly right. changes that. But then he finds out it's not the Ponyville anthem. It's the Crystal Empire anthem. And well, yes. well, I'm not thinking of that one. I'm thinking of the season, later season six one where it's kind of like it's like the Firefly episode of Janestown where, like, they, they consider him a hero and he doesn't even realize what's going on. And they, like, he says, I'm the great and powerful Spike and I'm going to solve the problem. And then he, he, has, he, he didn't solve the problem last time. I forget. I just watched this episode like two weeks ago. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? All right. So there's one episode where they're supposed to, where it's like, in one case, Twilight is basically asleep the whole episode and Spike has to like do things. Yeah. But that one's season six. Right. Uh, anyhow, like, uh, I, I didn't like the cringy Spike episode. There's ones where he's supposed to, pre- he's basically supposed to prepare and like, and then like do this performance. And so like a big part of the episode is him just like sort of face planting in front of like, thousands of ponies and like it was very funny to see the sort of the discussion especially on uh, slash mlp which is a board of 4chan because like you had these two camps of people you had this sort of like this sort of empaths camp who was like this episode was hard to watch because like we felt sorry for spike and stuff like that and then you kind of had the internet tough guy camp of saying like oh well you know you would only you would only be empathetic for this situation if you've ever like been there and if you're just like a beta fag and like and you totally suck and you're not in control of your own life, <laughs> oh. 
which is typical, which is the typical like sort of polarized argument that you see on 4chan, which is why some people go because it's fun to watch all of the shit getting flung around. Yeah, that's actually a fairly good, I don't want to interrupt you, but like that's a good segue into the thing I did want to talk about, which is I did want to like parse out all the different social media hangouts for pony fandom and how like the vibe changes sure between all these places but yeah i think you had you had a, you had a point you're trying to make and i think you're getting right i was just yeah i was just saying uh yeah the the somber episode definitely like got a lot of it got made fun of a lot uh one of the one of the reasons like one of the main jokes was just that the only word that that sombra says that we really hear him sort of articulate is crystals like he's a crystals you know yeah. like and so a lot of there were a lot of like short comics and jokes and stuff like that where literally that's the only thing that sombra can say <laughs> and so people would find ways of working in crystals or just making sombra look like an look like an idiot it kind of reminds me of uh there was an episode in uh Dexter's lab where uh Dexter who's this you know you know young scientific genius or whatever he creates this machine to like help him learn French because he has this test in French um so he like puts on this helmet but the literally the needle on the record that like is supposed to teach you French it's like one of those talk along kind of things it skips so the only word that he learns he wakes up only being able to say um, omelette du fromage. I remember that one. Omelette du fromage, exactly. Cheese omelette. He that's and that's the only thing that he can say for the entire episode, and it actually works out. Spoilers. Yeah, Sombra has been somewhat rehabilitated as a character in the comics. Uh, Correct. Uh, which are very good, and there was a period of time where I would have said that the comics are better than the show. Like season like three and four, I would have been like, nah, the comics are better than the show. Uh, but anyhow, I'm I'm very interested to see what the show is like after the movie, whether the show just continues to kind of be slice of life or whether it sort of takes a more sort of adventure kind of world buildy sort of sort of thing. I like um, how they do of... both. Like they lean into the slice of life episodic storytelling a lot, but I feel like every time we get um, a Twilight heavy episode or a finale or a premiere, yeah. we get more a world building. Right. Um, I wonder how long anyhow, the show can go yeah. on. Like, I wonder, like, because we're we're getting to the point where, like, I mean, I'm I'm glad it's been good, this good, this long. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind getting off the ride if the ride were to stop. I would, I'd be happy to get off. So after watching the show and being exposed to it in the five to seven ish years ago time frame, uh, the big deal at the time was, oh, hey, there are adult men who are into this show and this was a whole thing for think pieces and talk, daytime talk tv talk shows and it is a topic is just kind of boring now it doesn't i don't even hear the word brony anymore and when i hear it i kind of cringe because the word has kind of been taken away almost i don't even i don't even associate it with pony fandom right i don't when i hear that word i think of an episode of of like Ellen from 2012. That's funny. Like, not that that exists. I don't know. Was Ellen even on TV in 2012? I don't know. Right? Like, I think she was. But it's so disconnected. But I think that if we were having conversations with our parents about this, for whatever reason, it would come down to, oh, I remember hearing it. Like, it, it, it almost got... I feel like it's a term that be, is is the description of some kind of weird social pathology that existed in the past. Yeah, and I don't know how you guys feel about that now, but I I wonder how Clay feels about the word brony and events like brony con and shit like that. Because I am done with it. I'm done with that word. I'm so done with it. <laughs> I don't know. I I've, I've never felt any negative sentiment about it. 
thought it was just what we called ourselves. It depends on where it depends on where you ask. If you're on 4chan, people will say we're not bronies, we're horse fuckers. Okay, get over it. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? We, that, so re- we said, that reaction. <laughs> that's the exact reaction that they want. Uh, yeah, they they, they on on 4chan slash MLP. So like, uh, and maybe we can get into the history of this a little bit later. But anyway, there's a boards on 4chan now that's 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 MLP and it's pony only and people there will like will they they use brony is like a curse word or whatever and there was a very interesting sort of little piece of sort of like chan lore that that i once heard which is to say that every board the gravest insult on any given board is 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 actually the most descriptive of most of the people on that board so like if you go to slash poll which is politically the politically incorrect board where people will you know, espouse anti-Semitic views or just like, just be just abusively, like barefacedly racist and, 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 and so on and so forth. Um, and, 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 you know, act like Nazis and so on. Like they refer to people that they don't like as degenerates, you know? And so the, the logic is they're mostly degenerates on slash poll and on slash MLP, they're mostly bronies and on, you know, slash fit, most of them don't actually lift. Um, <laughs> Does that mean that R9K uh, are all all a bunch of normies pretending to be Kiss virgins? Yes, okay. yes, it does. <laughs> so does that does that mean by because I don't go to the board anymore? Does that mean that I'm no longer a normie and now I am a married Kissless virgin? Yes. Okay, just want to like make sure the logic's checking out. Okay. Yes. Anyhow, so uh, yeah, th- there's there's different spheres of the fandom. Like apparently. I know some people who were who were like on slash co, which is the cartoon boards of um on which ponies were originally allowed until like just there was just so much that couldn't be trusted with it anymore. Right, there was just the we we couldn't have nice things, so we got sort of our own containment board, quote unquote, where we're sort of relegated and not allowed to leave at least and leave and bring ponies. Uh, but anyhow, like back in the day, like like brony was a joke. It was sort of an in joke. And it wasn't ever meant as a serious moniker on Slash Co. when people started using it. But then kind of the media picked it, you know, it, it, it kind of got increasing usage. And you know how these things go, right? Like, y- you kind of get this very interesting seepage of, like, the reason that a lot of gamers will use, like, Leet Script, where they'll, like, you know, that kind of, like, 1337 means elite and, you know, like, that kind of thing. Like, originally, you know, that was a hacker thing. But, you know, some hackers play games and, like, you kind of have this osmosis of culture and now most people don't know where that shit's fucking from. In the same way, you kind of had this osmosis of this word kind of, like, moving across these slightly overlapping spheres of spheres of fans. And that's how you get multiple origin stories for that term, too. Because there's the there's right. origin story where it's uh, it was a slash B slash Roni. Right. Right. And right. I'm like, that doesn't, I never I heard that. I was like, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't, that doesn't match up with my recollection of what happened. Correct. So, yeah, and I mean, I think, uh, like, I'm no, like, I haven't dug really deep into the term because I don't fucking care for it. The reason for me specifically that I don't care for it is because, like, if you guys remember, there was a, there was a pretty popular clip called Bro Rape, uh, like, and this was back before Pony Fandom started. Oh, this is the, you want to play GameCube and watch Family Guy? Yes! Okay. <laughs> I'm not oh familiar with this at all. I feel perpetually it, in the dark in this conversation, to be honest, and I thought I was a pretty a, big fan. 
It's a sketch anyway. Like, We're not talking about this... the show, Clay. We're talking about right. the seven years of internet metaculture around uh, the show, which okay. you are not required to know. In fact, it's <laughs> right. good that but... you don't. The fact that I know what he talked, what he was referring to immediately does not reflect positively on my character. Well, bro rape has nothing to do with MLP anyhow. So what bro rape is, it's like this, it's like this sort of, it's this fake public awareness. It's like this fake, like public service announcement about how to stop bro rape. And so like a college bro, of course, we all know what that is. But if anybody's not like familiar with the definition of the term, it's typically a dude who plays ultimate frisbee he's getting a business major or whatever so he has kind of a you know he's not doing a hard science typically um pop collar uh, um he listens to jack johnson because he thinks it's really great he loves dane cook he plays left for dead um you know and and a bunch of gamecube games and you know likes drinking beer uh wears shorts kind of almost the entire year typically flip-flops uh, and is so so they're sort of like oh god that's a checkbox that's a checkbox that i get to check off for being a bro wow so anyway bro like rape. in my mind especially having dealt with like you know this would have been a year only kind of a year or so after having like been roommates with a bunch of bros and having lived at the dorms like i did not like the term bro at all um and it just sort of espoused all of these negative connotations about like you know sort of jerkish dudes who hang out with other dudes. because you were defensive of the bros or because you hated the bros and wanted to hunt Because I hated, I hated the bros. Okay. Like, bro, the, the, and we've had this argument before, Barry, where you're like, listen, bros aren't a real thing and neither are hipsters and neither are da-da-da-da-da. And I'm like, no, no, Barry, bros are real. Like, <laughs> yeah, I remember this argument. <laughs> uh, anyway, like, the, the whole Jack Johnson stand-up comedy enjoying ultimate frisbee playing, like, uh, you know, uh, arguably... Describing one dude somewhere. <laughs> describing literally everyone from my dorms literally everyone okay um anyhow that's one of the reasons that i don't like that that i didn't like the term because of course like a lot of people most of the people and you know maybe we can start start talking about the sort of spheres of the fandom here a tiny bit you know the the, the big big spheres of of people or sort of demographics of people who like mlp were either in college um sort of college age um, or in the military, interestingly, which are disproportionately college-aged. Um, Correct. Lived on military yes. bases, like it is. It it might as well be a big college campus where people like have short haircuts. Yep. And there's very not not nearly as many girls though. They're there. Correct. They exist. Yeah. Anyhow, like given that it was like a collegey, there was sort of yeah. I don't know. I had very recently learned the word bro, and like I I had nothing but nothing but. Uh, sort of undesirable connotations attached to it in my mind. So uh, I wasn't really a huge fan. And also, like, and I think moreover, like, people who are in the fandom are pretty aware of, like, negative, just kind of negative media as being associated with that term. Um, because it kind of has a way of, you know, interestingly, and, you know, we, um, and we may talk about, like, a little bit about the herd survey or something like that later, but, like, MLP as a fandom actually has a pretty high proportion of girls, or at least it did the last time I looked at the herd survey results. Um, Seldom. I yes. uh, could not find a herd survey for 2016 or 17, and actually I couldn't find a link to the 15 one. I just saw an advertisement for taking the survey. I so see. Herdcensus.org. Okay. I checked EQD, herdcensus.com, and the MLP subreddit. And I okay. got nothing for anything after 2014. 
that doesn't surprise me. But anyhow, like, let's just go off of what we have. Right. If you look at, I don't know, if you were to take, like, something like, you know, Street Fighter or, like, you know, any other, really almost any other show, like, you know, you could take a lot of shows and you would probably find that there's a higher proportion of boys. So the other the other disadvantage of the term brony is just that it kind of conveys that it's all a bunch of sort of, um, you know, that it's all just sort of a bunch of dudes who are never going to get any action because they hang out with bronies all day, right? Well, it implies that the bronies, the male, the male, uh, the male older MLP fans only are friends and associate with communities made up of other bronies and that like exactly. they're segregated from the children exactly. and the non-existent women, which of course are not non-existent, but like it's, it, it assumes that they don't exist or aren't worth talking about. And just like, just to touch on this briefly, and this is like, this feels like ancient history at this point, but there was a meta, which actually sort of like was, went throughout the fandom from what I could tell of whether the term Pegasister should be used to refer to female sort of subscribers of the fandom or whether everyone in the fandom is a brony. People got so up in arms about this. <laughs> go go on. I never saw anyone getting up in arms, but well, I, I saw well up in arms. I saw people disagreeing about this, and it seemed like it was a proxy argument for whether or not brony. Like, if you my my my, my recollection of how this argument went was that if you were pro use of the term Pegasister, you were erasing pony brony identity, and you were embrace you were, you were you were erasing like the bigger identity and just like balkanizing fans, right? And if you were against it then you weren't letting the women in. And so no one wins. Right. And that may well have been the sort of reason that the term died off, honestly, because no, maybe just no decision was made. So people were like, well, this is a dumb, like this is a dumb word anyway that was never meant as like an official sort of moniker to the public. I mean, it stopped having novelty. It stopped being fun and funny to use too. Like it just, yeah. it just got overplayed. It, because it started out as a joke, jokes, you know, they die, I guess. That's true. And also people who weren't in on the joke originally kind of, you know, they were like, oh, hey, hey, I'm that. You know that joke that you came up with? I'm that joke. And you're like, well, but no, it's a joke. You, no one should. The moment there was a brony t-shirt, it was over. <laughs> That's true. It's true. That was it. That was it. Like the moment you could buy a t-shirt that said brony at Hot Topic, it was over. I, I agree. I A lot of things end at Hot Topic as like a anything and i'm not cool anti-merchandise i own a sweetie bell shirt which i wore yesterday so um i'm not anti-pony merchandise in fact i was the one of the reasons why i ended up being able to move in with tom was because i was bored and felt like being a nice person and helped him move even though i hadn't really we were friends in high school but we hadn't really been in contact for a couple of years i helped tom move he was wearing his uh his rainbow dash his like kind of covert rainbow dash t-shirt that had like the outline of Rainbow Dash and the rainbow. Right. I think it said like a thousand percent cooler or whatever that meme I haven't thought about. Tw- tw- 20 percent cooler. I can't, yeah. I've, I have not thought about that that joke in a long time. But he had like a twenty percent cooler like joke shirt, and I was aware and I had enough internet like awareness to know what that was. Right. I called him Rainbow Dash while we were moving, and we lolled about it. And within months, we were all living together. It's true. So yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's just, I I would say yeah. As a as a term, it's sort of it's lost lost its novelty and and many things, <clears throat> many things. I, I think it's pretty easy to call them valueless by the time that hot topics start selling them. Well, I think because they're owned. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like Brony, like, uh, is a good segue to kind of like the next fear that I kind of wanted us to touch on, which is sure. 
what what is referred to as spaghetti, but like on the on the outline, but what I think should just sort of be referred to, should have approached as uh, how many of us would wear a pony t-shirt outside? What like what's the level of like outward unironic enjoyment of something like this that is weird how i i guess what's your level of like outward involvement and would anybody deny would would anybody like if asked by their boss do you like that pony show would you deny right like and and i think the word brony itself like is problematic because it's associating yourself with the phenomenon and the collective understanding of it and not what your right. experience that's like what I, why i sort of wanted a divorce from the word was because that word started to describe usa today stories and st- stopped describing my experience as correct I, I remember a ha- there was a segment on howard stern that i caught that was about sort of they literally went to a con and uh like what got me about the way that they did this segment was that of course like Howard Stern is a show that's mostly about like sex and like getting action and you know kind of living that part of being an adult which is fine but when you start to use like when you start to sort of use that as a criterion for whether someone is leading a successful life or whatever it beca- it begins to become a little bit unfair um you know because some people are just you know, they don't really give a fuck, literally. Um, <laughs> so, and so they go to this con, and I feel like you could go to any con, and they ask, they they, they pull some guy aside, and they basically ask him, "Hey, you know, what if uh, I told you that that I had one of the most sort of uh, sort of in vogue, um, you know, gorgeous, beautiful, friggin' whatever supermodels, like in one of the hotel rooms, like back here." Um, and, but, but you would have to agree basically to miss out on, on the con to be able to, to sleep with her, you know? And so they got a couple of responses and most people were like, no, fuck that. Like, that's fucking stupid. Like I came here to see my friends and like, you know, hang out and have a good time and talk about the show and buy merchandise and, you know, all of the other interesting and fun things that happen at cons. And, you know, and then they sort of cut away from that audio and then they're like, yeah, what a bunch of losers and so on. And like, it's that kind of coverage where I'm just kind of like, but you could go to an anime con and most people would say, no, no, fuck you. I saved up all year. That's not clickbait. Yeah. That's not clickbait in 2013. It's just not. That's 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 the clickbait right there. And I mean, so spaghetti. So yes, all this all this about spaghetti, you know, all this just sort of is about like the idea that. How how outward we all are or feel about or think is appropriate, because um, you have a very conservative opinion about spaghetti, and I tend I do. to be very libertine about spaghetti. Um, <laughs> so let's ask Clay. Maybe he'll start us off in the middle, and then we can yeah debate. So, so Clay, yeah, do you own any pony um, merchandise? Uh, yeah, actually, my well. I don't know if you could consider it owning merchandise, but my mom got me like uh, a Rainbow Dash thing for Christmas two years ago. I still have it here somewhere. Is it a shirt? No, it's just like a little doll. Oh, a little, oh, a little thing. Okay. Um, if you got a Rainbow Dash T-shirt that said twenty percent cooler, would you wear it outside? Hmm. I wouldn't wear it to work, but I guess if I was going to the mall, sure, why not? Okay. You're it's you just started a job, right? Yeah. Like you're two you're two weeks into your job, yeah. so like you're meeting your coworkers, do you, you know, and you're int- you're feeling out who's who you're friendly with and who you're 
maybe not going to be as friendly with over on the long term. So if they ask you like, so what did you, you know, what do you want? What did you, did you, are you watching any good shows right now? Are you going to say pony or are you going to purposefully avoid mentioning pony? (laughs) Because this is an important distinction. There's whether you're willing to mention whether you mention it because you just it happens to be the thing you're thinking about at the time or whether you're thinking about pony and you're like, I can't tell them about ponies. All right. Well, I would say if I was asked point This is at work, by the way. At work. Yeah, at work, I think I would uh, I think I would downplay my fandom a little bit. Like if I was asked point blank, I'd say, yeah, okay, it's, it's a pretty good show. I enjoyed it. But I guess I would not openly demonstrate it. Not because I'm ashamed, just because it's a work environment and I, I, I'm i trying to go for a certain image, you know? What's your job, by the way? Just so we have a little just context. Just accounting clerk. That counts. Okay. I feel like Holden Caulfield. Like I'm surrounded by fake people who've put up fake fronts to their <laughs> workers in the world. There's only one you and you need to be it. Hmm. Uh, well, no, you're not necessarily although, wrong about that. And, you know, honestly, that's I admire that about you, is that... You know, just... Hillary Clinton would disagree with this point. <laughs> you have a public face, okay? You have a public face, and you have a private face, okay? This is why, I'm, this is why I can never be. A, this is why I can never go into into actual politics, um, <laughs> right? It'll never happen. It was never. Well, no, happen. she caught hell for that statement, of course. Like, but even anyhow. though it's true, in even, even though, though it is true, even true, though it's fucking true, it shouldn't be true. It sucks that it's true, but it also is true. I don't know. I, I, yeah, so like. So when we talk, so clearly, when we're talking about like spaghetti. We're talking about that bat. I, I have probably only felt somewhat uncomfortable one time, um, and that was when somebody who was being very nice was like, "Oh, well, like here's like here's kind of like a pony related like gift or something," and I, and I, it occurred to me that the concept of like the fandom and my appreci- and my relationship with the show, among the many other things I am into. Uh, is probably not understood by that person in the way that I understood it, and I, 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 I place that blame not on me. It's not up to me to like explain to everybody the exact relationship that I have to whatever things I'm into, because that will just take everyone's time up, and no one wants to talk to that guy. Well, no one would talk about anything else. Everyone would yeah. just talk about their relationships to the things in their life. So and I can't no one talk would, about yeah. so like that. They don't know that. So I, I got the impression that perhaps this person is had to had to construct a concept of my relationship to ponies, based around a little bit of information from me and a bunch of information about like what's just out there. And right. It could be the Howard Stern thing. It could be something a little more. And I, I just didn't know. And I'm like, well, okay, you know, thank you or whatever. Uh, and that was about it. Like, I guess I didn't quite, it, that's when I kind of occurred to me that like, Hey, there's, there's a concept of like, there's an image of pony fans that exists in the cultural zeitgeist. And then there's like my experience, even in this three-way conversation, it's clear me and seldom are talking about the internet side of things and pony as a social phenomenon in our online lives. And I think clay is more like you enjoy the show because it's a show worth enjoying. Yeah. Exactly right. What a concept. <laughs> I mean, we enjoy it for those reasons, too. But, yes. like, the rabbit hole continues. But, that, yeah, that's the tip of the iceberg. So, yeah. Seldom, you have pointed out in the past um, that you are, like, just you just don't even 
want anybody. You want a complete. I, I I don't want to make your point for you, but like you seem to have a very clear. I'm calling you Seldom for a reason. You have a very clear demarcation line between your IRL life and your fandom life. Yes. Uh, why? The, be, because I mean, it's it's kind of like a uh I don't know. Like if you live in a big city. You can like flip people off or like say and say and do weird things and like odds are, you know, maybe you'll never see those people again. But like that's because those people are like maybe you actually will see them again. But the question is, are the is seeing those people again? Is that relevant to you? Like, could that have an effect on you in some negative way or, you know, maybe a positive way that you care about? Right. And the thing about like. I I have this idea in my head that like it's pretty easy for people to look at something out of context like and again um you know especially if there's been some kind of strange like um you know arguably one-sided kind of media coverage about something and you know I don't know uh it's like in, in in the same way that I don't talk about all of the things that I do for fun to most of my work colleagues um I don't talk about you know, I don't talk about Pony, for instance, to any of my work colleagues. Like, no one at work knows that I like MLP. I have a scenario um, for you. I have a scenario. Okay. Okay. At your work, you do you do you work for something? Actually, I, I, I guess I shouldn't get into it. You you have a work job. You have a work that involves being a computer person. That's right. Can I say uh, so that I on air. I, I yeah yeah no. I program databases to support um, scientists gathering uh, biological information about. Uh, endangered species um and you know it's species of interest anyhow awesome. okay so it's fucking great i love science so <laughs> let's let's say your your work environment needs you to do something that they that like let's not it's not your database project but you're the guy in the office that knows how to do they're asking around hey does anyone know how to create sound effects and yes, to edit should, audio yeah. and to put put narration and to run these programs because we don't have does anyone have like any 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 sound anything at all or know anybody and you raise your hand and want to be helpful and say yeah and then like it comes up like you know a lot about like sound editing uh how did you get into that because that's not a normal thing are you gonna say like well i do sound effects for audiobooks of fan fiction uh i do i have i i, I have said that um okay my other stock answer is that I'm in Doctor Who fandom, which is technically correct. Um, because oh Pony in a Box. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's right. All right. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Okay. And so I just say, hey, like we make these radio plays or whatever, and there's canon radio plays, but we also make sort of our own kind of. We have our own little AU, and we sort of tell stories inside of it, and. Uh, so, you know, there's a bunch of VAs, and then there's some artists, and then there's some writers, um, and then there's a couple editors. And, you know, with our powers combined, we are Captain Planet. But how many more units of social acceptability is Doctor Who to My Little Pony? Infinite. <laughs> infinite. Infinite. People infinite. Are, um, Doctor Who is an infinitely more socially acceptable thing to talk about than My Little Pony. It's yeah, sci-fi. I, like, uh, I, I, think... I have to agree with Seldom on this one. I don't think... Doctor Who is really folk hokey, though. I don't really see any, like, good criticisms of it, though. Whereas with My Little Pony, it's considered... I mean, something like that would have been considered unmasculine for so long. 
and it is kind of weird, you know, for older men to like a kid's show. So, whereas it's it's more or less the intended audience for Doctor Who. But I promise you, in 1979, there were nerds getting wedgies and, like, having their, their heads shoved in toilets <laughs> while wearing a long, long scarf that they tripped over because they were, like, cosplaying Fourth Doctor. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean... I, Doctor Who is actually really hokey, and I don't. I, I say this as a person who loves Doctor Who a lot. Like, I like it because sometimes it can be out there and and weird. And if I were to go for like what kind of a, I think My Little Pony has more conventional storytelling techniques and world building than Doctor Who does, because Doctor Who is just all over the place for fifty <laughs> years. Radically different showrunners, radically different tones to the shows. The main character changes and has different personality every couple years. Uh, and they have crazy, like, condom monsters and dumb costumes and re recycled actors. Like, it is schlocky at times, and it is very, very good at times. I don't mean to, like, make it seem like Doctor Who is, like, hokey, super hokey, but it can be if you look at the whole thing. And ponies, actually, if people gave it... This is kind of my like little soapbox about ponies, that it is a legitimately good, like, piece of television, because it... Do, it knows how to tell stories episodically and knows how to have character knows that you have to have strong characters to, that can anchor those small stories and give the smallness more meaning because if you don't have the if you don't have good storytelling techniques around your developing your characters you tell these small stories and nobody cares because they're not invested in the outcome and ponies does that in a very conventional way season to season to season to season and if 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 the if it was not about horses, and it was not aimed at selling toys, uh, I think that the same kind of show would be on NBC and be successful. Maybe not on maybe not on a network, but on like a cable channel or a Netflix. Sure. Yeah, you're not wrong about that. All I'm saying is that I think that Doctor Who is a bit more gripping. Like, I don't think there's anyone who would like watch a couple of episodes of Doctor Who and say, "Yeah, this isn't for me." Whereas I think that is kind of the case with MLP. Oh, there's tons of people who won't like, who don't think Doctor Who is for them. Danielle being one of them, because she's, I don't know, something is broken inside of her that doesn't let her enjoy <laughs> Doctor Who. I don't know. Really? She doesn't really, I mean, she doesn't hate it. She she recognizes it. I, I don't want to speak for her. Like, she, she recognizes it for what it is, but just has no, like, doesn't, like, if I turn it on, she's not going to sit through the whole episode and watch it with me. She just won't. She's going to do something else and, like, listen to it in the background. I, I would I would agree with Clay that it's partly, I think, target audience or the or the sort of the understood audience. Because, I mean, here's the thing, you know, if you're into if you're into the meta, like, there are interviews with Lauren Faust, the creator of, the, of, of, of My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, you know, where she's saying, listen, I wanted to make a show that people who are not strictly 12 year old girls would watch like i wanted to make a show that was worth watching and she fucking did that but exactly. most people but right yes but most people don't take media objectively like they 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 they, they don't they're not into like the meta of like how you make a good show or how you tell a good story of like or of who is dan Harmon or like like how or why he writes good shows or whatever, even though he's a dick in real life. Like, I would love Dan Harmon to d write a season of ponies. That, yeah, I uh, think he could would, replace. That, that would be. I mean, I. I mean, I want to see it just so I want to see what it would be like. I don't want it to actually be canon. 
I would reserve judgment until the I would reserve judgment until the end of the season as to whether it would actually be canon. Okay. Um, I would I would hold my cards, I think. But no, that would be fantastic. Um, but anyhow, like most people don't. They're gonna they're gonna go well. Oh, hold on, isn't that a cartoon? And isn't that a cartoon for girls? Like, and you're not either of you know you're you're not little and you're not a girl, and so. You're not only abnormal, <laughs> but you're super abnormal. What's wrong with you? Seldom. Outside of Attack on Titan, do you watch any other anime? I do. Have you watched anime in the past, like tw- ten years ago? Uh, years ago? some, some, not not loads. I think I got more into it in college, I guess. But because what you were just describing, it sounds like something that I like already had to make peace with internally, fifteen years ago. <laughs> okay. Because I was like. I was I was deep I got deep into like an, I I got into anime and like just never got out basically until like 2000 like 10 or 11 like from 2000 well, there's a whole the entire decade of the 2000s I was as deep in it as I could possibly get like okay. really deep and I didn't I had to just sort of at some point develop at the very least as a young t- as a teenager the psychological coping mechanism to just say, well, yeah, I'm watching cartoons. Cartoons are good, and you don't understand how good cartoons are, and so that makes you stupid and me smart. So there we go. And I, I, mean, I apply I that a... exact same yeah. like coping mechanism to like Pony, where it's like, well, if you don't understand how good Pony is, it's because you're either ignorant or you're not giving it a chance. So like, I guess if you don't like it, that's and don't like it, like then why should I censor myself because you can't, you don't have good taste, or or don't have an or aren't open minded. Uh, I'm trying to remember there, there's, there's, there's a psychological, there's the name of it. There's a psychological principle, which dictates that people tend to over ascribe importance to a limited amount of information simply because they have that information. The Dunning-Kruger effect. No, that's not true. Dunning-Kruger is where you, where you misestimate or you underestimate your own incompetence. That's not what you're just describing then? Uh, no, I'm describing basically, let's say that there's a million data points out there uh-huh. about, say, about a person. Like, there's a million facts about, about Barry Donnelly. Um, and I have 250 of those facts. If I learn one more about you, I may, that may completely change the way that I perceive your behavior and your manner of speech and the way you conduct yourself and the way you live your life and so on and so forth. Even though I do not know 98% of the things about you. And Pony is definitely one of those things. Like that's basically, it's easy for people to learn one little thing. And like, because they know they know that thing. Like, they're just going to hold on to that so hard, and they're going to use that as a lens for interpreting every single thing that you do. Well, that's, that's just, that's, that's making inferences. That's just, that's just inference. That's just people. That's, that's the problem of induction, I guess. That's, that's, yes. into Hume. All right, we did it. Okay. Yes. Metaphysics. Let's go. No, not metaphysics. Epistemology. Let's go. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't interrupt you. Yeah. And I mean, go ahead, like, go ahead, but basically, there's certain things that, I have the sense that people will read too much into, and then there's other things that they that that, that that people won't, and like this is kind of um, there is, oh gosh, uh maybe, yeah, I can I can look this up, but like there is there is another psychological effect which I will name shortly, 
Um, because which... being concerned about what other people think about you is for laying awake in the middle of the night. That's what it's for. It's not for when you're awake. <laughs> it's not for when you're talking to people. Right. Uh, so, I mean, well, the reason I brought up the anime thing is because, like, at, th- at some point, like, that's a thing that, especially in 2002, was a harder sell to to the general population. I will not, like, soil myself by using the word normie. But um, it was a harder sell. And it still kind of right. is. But it was way harder in 2001, 2002, 2003. And so I just had to be like, well, like, you don't understand this thing. You're like, you, like, you are ignorant, and I'm not ignorant, or at least aware of this thing that you aren't aware of, and it's not my problem, it's yours. Right. I use, I apply it to ponies, I just bring it over to pony, and I don't, I don't see why I can't, I guess. Why I shouldn't. Right, but I would, I would readily say that I do watch cartoons, like I would happily admit that, yeah. Because me too. there's 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 much there's much less pinned to the idea of watching cartoons, uh. But like, let me let me tell you a story. Okay. Back from when I was fifteen, I think something like fifteen or sixteen years old. Okay, it's Saturday morning. Like I've woken up. Uh, my dad is at the breakfast table. I'm eating my cereal. I think I have. And I'm either gonna I'm either gonna take my bowl downstairs, or I've only had one bowl of cereal, which is unusual because I usually have two when it's a Saturday or something like that. And so, like, I'm gonna go downstairs, and it's fucking Saturday nor- Saturday morning, so I'm gonna go watch Pokemon. I make the mistake of 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 being like, oh yeah, well hey, you know, I'm gonna go downstairs, I'm gonna watch Pokemon or whatever. And my dad's like, wow, really? Like, you still watch Pokemon? Like, I thought that that show was for kids. And I'm like. <laughs> Like I was, t- I was completely caught off guard. I was like, "Oh, well, it sort of is, but like, it's actually like there's this, you know, I don't know. Like, I, 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 there was no way there was too much information for me to have to like convey. There's just there's not enough bandwidth, you know, like to unpack like all of the reasons that you would, you know, exactly like you were saying before to explain what your relationship. So because show you is. feel like you can't adequately describe the nuance nuanced relationship you have with Pokemon it's better to just not bring up Pokemon uh, uh yeah okay here we go uh what I was talking about earlier is called the availability heuristic okay which is the tendency for additional importance to be scribed to, to be ascribed to recent unusual or otherwise memorable events or examples um, even when such an ascription is questionable. Can I that hear is... that one more time? I'm super yes. sorry. Like, that was a lot of words. Okay. The availability heuristic is the tendency for additional importance to be ascribed to recent, unusual, or otherwise memorable events or examples, Okay. even all when right. such ascription is questionable. Gotcha. That is to say, it's not all that unusual for someone who's 20-something to enjoy cartoons, but it is noteworthy, memorable, uh, you know, outstanding, whatever, for someone to like a girl's cartoon show. And as such, like, by the, you know, by nature of the availability heuristic, which is a, a very common cognitive bias amongst people in, in a world where we have limited information, and it, it is many, in many cases impossible to sort of know all of the data points, right? Like, that's why we have statistics. Um, <clears throat> but even then, people aren't really thinking statistically at all, or else they would realize, oh, hey, maybe 
maybe the fact that someone watches this, this kind of is in this weird fandom, like maybe that doesn't dictate their whole life. And maybe that's more of like, you know, maybe the fact that they like the show is uh, symptomatic of, you know, some other problem that they have, but it's probably not because they chose to watch this cartoon show and like any other weird bad thing about them or whatever, any other quirk that they have is sort of caused by the fact that they watch this show. So basically, but pony is like, it's just like, it's a, it's a primitive, right? Like everyone knows what a pony is. Everyone immediately gets some image in their head when someone says that word. Like it's, everyone knows it. Like it, from a three-year-old up till, you know, someone who's on their deathbed. So that's a little bit different than saying, oh, well, I watch cartoons, right? Well, everyone knows what cartoons are, but it's not like, you know, what am I trying to say? Basically, well, there's something in the there's something in the the, the herd census that has come up again and again, which is that like the self-identified pony fans who take this herd survey, generally like the psychological research on them that has come out a little bit at least. And this is information that I heard four or five years ago. Yeah, that, uh, that they had low, um, they generally have high self-esteem compared yep. to their peers. Like not like crazy high, but like. Or they had more state. They had, I think it was, they had a fewer likely, a significantly fewer, li- uh, fewer divorces among the survey respondents. Uh, uh, like, like marriage, marriage, marriage yeah, of, divorces. Of their yeah. parents, not of their marriages. Of, oh, okay. Of right. Yeah, I remember learning this, and they also came. They also tended to come from big families, um, which was surprising to me as an only child. I was like, wow, okay, really, all right. And they also tended to be introverts, like towards the sort of. Everyone tended to be like an INTJ or an INTP or whatever, like mostly like like they were all really close to like one corner of the map, which is unusual. Uh, Yeah, I I am an INTJ. Yeah, so I'm an INTJ. If I'm remembering right, you're an INFP or something like that. Sometimes I think that's wrong. I don't remember mine. Okay. It's something like something about Pony, like the sort of the, the, the sort of shock that like you that, that that people enjoy and i and i think this is easy right because like it's easy to remember it as a show for girls right like more than power rangers more than uh strawberry shortcake more than you know what a, you know what other show that show can i name more than dora well, the explorer because like that's the thing right it's, it's like the mickey mouse ears for like innocence like pink ponies are to girlness exactly Exactly. So, like, it's hard for people to reconcile this concept, and, and and it's noteworthy. So, for every, like, you know, I don't know, for every time that I refuse to go to the fucking Red Lion, you know, somebody might be like, oh, well, this is because you, you know, you started watching this cartoon show, and you're you're a weirdo, and you don't conform to social norms, and and That can and, be and fixed so and by so having forth. a good, having a healthy social relationship with your friends and family, in which you explain that you don't want to go out drinking with them because that's not a thing that you do and, and you would rather do something else that's true I mean, but th- that sounds like the kind of problem what you're describing about people like inferring things about you that are wrong sounds to me like the status quo of an unhealthy relationship or at least an, a relationship that is starved for communication in my mind that's the sure. problem like you're not the problem ponies aren't the problem the problem isn't even that they misunderstand you because they can't help but misunderstand you as we said like Pink ponies are is the is this is the icon for four year old girlness if there ever was one. Uh, so right, I, it, 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 fix your relationships, I guess. I, I, <laughs> well, I'm sure he does with like 
his very close friends and his family. It's what we're talking about is like if you're going into work, like people that you're not going to have a whole lot of communication with, but are still going to have an impact on your daily life. And in those cases, I, I think I think it's perfectly acceptable to okay, omit well, I, that I little piece that of I yourself. Am, I am I am outnumbered here, but <laughs> the more I think about it, like I'm like. I, 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 I've always liked weird shit, and I've just had to, like, grow up liking weird shit. And, like, I, I, I... Metal, Cannibal Corpse t-shirts yeah. and stuff. Like, I just... Being stared at... I don't know. Maybe I weirdly... Maybe I get off on, like, being a spectacle. I don't know. And, like, this is just normal <laughs> behavior for me. There was certainly a t- There was certainly a time when I did, but, like, here's the thing. Like, I, maybe let me tell another little story. Please. So... When I was, so like when I was really little kid, my favorite book of any fucking book, and like, you know, looking back, of course, a lot of my books were about talking animals. So of course, I'm like, I'm not like, I'm like immune to this, to this concept of like, oh, like I shouldn't like talking animals because like they were my life as a kid because fucking storybooks, right? Um, so, you know, as an adult, I'm like, well, I don't know, like, I don't know what I don't know what magic sort of mirror that you step through that transforms your baby dragon into a dog or or, or, or whatever that transforms you in a, into an adult and makes you not like talking animals anymore. But anyhow, um, my favorite book of like all time or not all time, but my favorite like storybook growing up was this story called Tacky the Penguin. Um, and it's about this penguin, of course. Um, and he's like one of the sort of like one of the penguins from like the other hemisphere. <laughs> um, but he hangs out with all of these emperor penguins and he's like this big sort of fat, like, or a sort of like slightly tubby goofball and he wears Hawaiian shirts and he's loud and he can't sing and he's like a nonconformist and so on. And all the emperor penguins, they have their fucking, they have their choir and they Spurgy have their the org- penguin. Is that what this he's is? He's not Spurgy though. It's just he's a, he's different, right? Okay. Like, they don't ridicule him. They just don't quite understand him, right? It's not like a Rudolph the Reindeer type story. Uh, but so they all have their choir and they have their synchronized diving and they have like all of this stuff that's very kind of like sort of Germanic and orderly and, and, and so on. And, and Tacky does cannonballs and he, you know, sort of sings like sort of rock solos and, you know, sometimes he misses notes and so on and so forth. And so they go on and they sort of tell you about Tacky's life, right? Which is to say he doesn't like, like fit the mold very well. Um and then suddenly, um I think there are these two or there's two or three characters that show up and they're like I think a bear and two wolves or something like that. And they have all of this hunting equipment and shit like that and they have nets and traps and like and snares and so on and so forth. And so they're going to take the they're going to capture the penguins and ostensibly take them off to a zoo or like do something like that. And so they're like super hyped that they've found like this totally isolated like group of emperor penguins to to sort of uh, uh, uh exploit basically uh but then tacky like has just this propensity to like completely like mess up their image of what penguins are um and so like they get splashed with like icy water and like and he 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 messes up the synchronization of their choir and like and so on and so forth so ultimately like tacky saves the day like and so for a long time i was very proud of being different but like as t- as I grew a little bit older, I realized that it's a double-edged sword, if that makes any sense. No, like it there does. was a long, t- yeah. there was a very long time where I tried very hard to be different, <laughs> like 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 super hard. Like let me tell it. Like 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 another example would be that at one point I wore I t- I I made this pair of pants. Like I took my sewing machine. This was in high school. I took my sewing machine and I made 
this pair of of, of sort of like so-called bondage pants, right? Like the, the the pants that have like the chains hanging off of them and so on. I went to the hardware store and I bought quarter inch hardened steel chain and I made this pair of pants with them. Uh, they weighed about 40 or 50 pounds. Um, <laughs> and I wore them to school and of course got told to go home and that they weren't safe. Oh my god. Presumably because I could use because I could like whip off the chains and use them as weapons or like Jesus Christ, fuck if I know. Like I literally asked why. I'm like, wait, how are these unsafe? <laughs> um and the principal was like, you know why they're unsafe. Like, you know, go home. Like you know, you, you you can't wear those or whatever. Uh it was a good investment. I don't know. It was a good investment of however the hell much I spent on on those chains, like thirty dollars or whatever. But anyhow, like during college, like before I met, you know, before I met you and Tom and like, and, 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 you know, got a good kind of rapport with, with some of the other like students in computer science and, you know, that, that kind of thing. Like there was a period of about like two or three years wherein like I just kept met, meeting like the worst fucking assholes. And I wasn't really sure why that was. And like kind of the, the conclusion that I ultimately came to was I was scaring away all of the people who were like normal and reasonable. And the only people who were left were people who just didn't have that filter, which is kind of ultimately a sign of like, they had some other pathology going on that I wasn't that, you know, obviously, I wouldn't necessarily be aware of, but that I could maybe get a sense of by the fact that they weren't like, wow, dude, you can't even see this dude's eyes, like, I did not ever. see your eyes for like a year and a half of knowing you. Yeah, exactly. And I did not uh, care. <laughs> right. I didn't miss um, them. I was fine. <laughs> yeah. But I, I feel like the average person who would just like not blink at that, um, not that everyone who, who who could accept it is necessarily like weird or pathological or bad in some way. Like, I feel like it might be a sign that some people are that but they I have like, like a little. You know... Okay, like I don't. I hear what you're saying. I think, yeah. Like I don't. I push back a little bit against the narrative that even though I have direct experience that contradicts this, I I don't want <laughs> to believe that. Anybody who has some kind, who is some kind of social other, is always the hero of the story, and is him or herself not a total jerk? Because yeah, the internet has taught me that just because you are the most pathetic out other outsider social person, you know, you know, kind of a human being, does not mean that you are then the hero of the story and are morally like generally oriented towards being right and doing the right thing because there are some the internet now is full of just nerds who are so full of their own asshole that right. they have become the thing that they claim to dislike and I think that's punctures a little bit of the narrative that like well the normal regular people are mean to me or don't don't accept me because I dress weirdly and, and, and go out of my way to, to not make them feel comfortable all the time and, and signal back to them the, the nonverbal cues of, of similar, you know, of difference or similarity. Uh, so yeah. that, that, that pushes me a little, I mean, that feel, I'm not saying that wasn't the case in your life experience. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that like your sample size is like wrong in the sense that you're lying, <clears throat> but I don't know if this is true of entire populations. This goes back to my argument with you about whether like bros are real things and hipsters are real things. 
But I mean, I think we're in. I think we're in agreement, though, aren't we? Like the people who are sort of different and other and weird are not necessarily the people that you like want to uh, spend your life with or hang out with or well, become you were friends telling with or your whatever. Story is like, these are the people you ended up being friends Correct. with. Correct. You're referring so, to me, and you're referring to Tom. No, no, but no, no, no. Like and you, others. you, you, like you and Tom, like sort of like saved me from like the pits of like not really knowing anybody, like in college, because you know I could. I mean, I could fill up the next hour of talking about, like, horror stories of, like, bad roommates and, like, just the shitty time that I had in the dorms and, like, that, you know, the roofs that, that the sort of, the roofs that collapsed in on my head and the fact that I lived with literal rats for a fucking minute and, like, so on, right? I do remember like, these stories, yes. I had a shitty time. Like, I had a shitty time and, like, part of, like, and and, and so part of my reaction to having had a shitty time was, like, this idea that maybe... I should be more of a normal fag yeah. because some, some of those situations might not have happened if I had been around other people, right? Like I would have been led but down different paths. And you were just around shitty people. Well, right. But my, my, they, the, those people may not have even been attracted to me, you know, or drawn, gravitated towards me in any way. Had I just been, you know, yeah, a face I mean, in the I crowd. Can see that, right? I, I can definitely see why somebody with, with, Poor with bad, you know. If you're ascribing, you know, the co the cause of those bad experiences to that, like I can see why somebody would not want to like broadcast that. I, I I guess I it doesn't square up with what I would consider to be reality, and that like it's 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 generally not the case that it's you know that it's your responsibility to make other people feel comfortable around you. Right, but if you're making good people feel uncomfortable, like the the odds are that they'll engage with you is lower. Like, it's reduced, which is That's not true. something that you want to do. I guess I don't really worry about, like, whether or not I'm attracting people that I want to be near me. Shouldn't I just don't, you? I just, I don't. I <laughs> You're don't married, fucker. You okay, have this okay, luxury. Well, hold on. And that's, that's true. I mean, like, I may have won the social lottery and, like, was saved <laughs> from a life of, of, I, I, I was, I could have turned into fucking Digibro. Like, that was, that was what was going to happen. And, like, now I've been saved. And, yes. I, and now I'm like, no one understands. <laughs> Now I now I don't understand other people's uh, 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 experiences, so that's probably true too. <laughs> oh my god, was it the show about ponies? <laughs> it was supposed to be. Digibro is still on topic. He he started off. He started off in pony fandom. Actually, we are so far fucking afield right now, guys. Yeah, if it's, I may, no, uh, if I may get back to the topic at hand, let's talk about our favorite sure. episodes. Okay, Barry. What? All right. What do you consider to be the best episode? Or the best couple I of episodes. The, um, you know, there's so many episodes now, and many of which I have not rewatched. So, like, I'll pro I'm biased towards the earlier seasons, which I have multiple viewings of. Mm. Kind of like season four is kind of like the bridge, is sort of like the the where I started to like not watch the show week to week and started watching it basically when it's on Netflix, which is what I do now. I really like in the first season <clears throat> we talked about Diamond Dogs. I like any rarity episode. Instantly. <laughs> because she's the best character. I also think that um, the episode that's like the origin stories of their cutie marks, which is this really great, like, you jump, you, it's the whole main six are equally involved, and you all see how their young lives, like, interacted with each other without them really meeting each other yet. I think Fluttershy and Dash knew each other, but that was it. Right. Uh, and Spike is born. That, I think, and... 
I think that's the best episode to introduce somebody to the show to. I think that should be the first episode if someone's like, I don't want to, I maybe want to get into Pony, but I don't know how to, or I didn't like the first episode, I'd say, watch this one. Now you know everybody, now you know how they know each other, and it's it's a great, it's an example of fantastic, like, scripting and execution on the part of the show. Like, this is, the show isn't screwing around, you know, this is, this is a real, this is a real deal, this is not. That's, that's my, like, go-to answer for favorite episode, just because that's good at it. It's a good answer. That's a good answer. What about you, Seldom? Um, so I would have to say Magic Duel, obviously. Magic Um, Duel. Here's, here's where, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to place that one, I'm sorry. Which one is that? (laughs) Okay. Oh! Yeah, so Magic Duel is where we see Trixie again. So we had gone for, was that in, somebody look this up for me. Was that in season three, Magic Duel? That's a, yeah, one, I'm I think pretty so. Sure. I think, hold well, I thought that, I thought the, the one where Trixie comes back completely was, is this the one where she has the brooch? This is the one where she has the brooch. I yeah. think that's season three, actually. I could be wrong. Okay. I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, yeah, Magic Duel was absolutely my favorite. And like, here's where you guys tell me, go to bed, Seth, because, you know, I, I, I enjoy Trixie, the character. Um, but, you know, I don't do the sort of, I don't do the like, oh, it, it, it's sad that, that Cloud killed Sephiroth because Sephiroth was such a good guy <laughs> sort of thing. Spoilers, Sephiroth doesn't survive. Anyway. He's in the uh, live stream, right? Or whatever? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Clay, is Sephiroth in the live stream or not? Uh, that is a discussion for another time. <laughs> okay, okay. All right, all right, all, all right. right. Anyhow, I I definitely like Trixie was a really great foil and we had a really awesome like we had a super super awesome villain wherein Twilight had to like so not only do we get to see Trixie and they just like, you know, I didn't even know the title of the episode. So I might have been able to patch together like having known that like what was going to happen, but I had no idea. So like after Trixie, after they like reveal that it was Trixie who like steals the, who like pays this weird uncle merchant kind of guy, um, for this magic brooch that he's like, Oh no, like it's too powerful. I can't sell you this. Like my potions are too powerful for you, traveler. And she's like, Well, here's this bag of money. You don't know it's her at that point. And then you learn that it's her. She kind of like wanders out from the crowd. Well, hey, Twilight, you know, like I was just on the floor, just fangasm for like, a long time. Barry, I think you were there. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I would say that, you know, and that could have been a disappointing episode, right? Because, like, it's hard when they bring back a character that you liked, um, and that character had kind of a fairly shallow, like, not very good characterization before. Um, and, you know, now it's like, now it's the real deal. Like, they're in a, they're in another episode, and they have no choice but to flesh them out a little bit more. And they did a good job of that, and the episode was well-structured. We get to learn, we get a little bit of world-building about, like, who Zakora is and so on and so forth. Um, like, and Twilight, interestingly, like, she doesn't get to use just the pure force of her genius and magic to beat the bad guy, right? Which is something that you were alluding to before, Barry, when Twilight fights T-Rex, like, basically, okay, so she uses her magic talent and so on, and she has, you know, she has the sort of powers of Celestia, Luna, Cadence sort of handed over to her for a second, so she's like, you know, just sort of a god for a sec. Uh, 
she really has to try. She's very much the underdog. Twilight is very much the underdog. Um, and it, it feels like as an episode, it feels really serious because clearly Trixie has like sick amounts of power. And she's also slowly being driven insane by this artifact that she's gotten her hooves on. Um, so it's very much kind of like not entirely a slice of life episode. Um, and, but at the same time, it's like, it's not, I don't know. It was well structured, I guess I would say. Like, because Twilight is. The, I remember really yeah. liking it. I remember thinking that was a solid, that was a great, a, a better use of her character than previously. And it was season three, episode five. Okay. Cool. So yeah, that, that was probably my favorite. That's probably easily like my favorite single episode because they brought back Trixie. They didn't mm-hmm. fuck it up. And, um, like it was well structured and you, it, and it was hard to predict. It wasn't one of those episodes where like some of the CMC episodes, uh, especially the, the first couple, like, Cutie Mark Crusaders episodes with Scootaloo, Sweetie Belle, and, um, Apple Bloom, like, you knew where they were going. Like, you knew from, like, the first one minute of the show, like, exactly how the episode was gonna end in many cases. Um. The show is still kinda uh, like that. It can be. We it, paused it the other day, and I, and Danielle and I, like, just made a prediction as to what we thought the show was gonna be about, and we were 100% right. Right. And it was a CMC the, episode sometime in season six. It's easier. Yeah. It's easier with this CMC. I mean, I, I remember I do, I did start liking those episodes a little bit. Like when they stopped face planting, when it stopped being kind of Wiley e. Coyote versus the Roadrunner. Um, and you know, spoilers, you know, the coyote never wins, right? <laughs> um, when it stopped being that for the CMC and when they started like kind of learning things and like figuring out shit a little bit better i started hating those episodes slightly less even though they are admittedly like a bit more predictable and kitty and and so on and so forth and so you know it's kind of like this intermittent reinforcement that this show has where like there's predictable episodes and you know maybe they're enjoyable or acute or whatever it is um but then every so often they throw you just kind of like a complete curveball and magic duel was for me one of those episodes Clay, what's your favorite episode? Well, I uh, I understand there's kind of some controversy uh, about this episode, so feel free to tell me off. But my good, good, <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> uh, my favorite episode has got to be the last episode of season three. Uh oh, Twilight Corn. Yeah, the magic. Yeah, magic mystery? mystery. I that's a good episode. I think it's. I, I'll I'll side with you on it. It's really yeah, good. I, I have to say, like, I think... You're wrong. You're both wrong. Oh, really? <laughs> You're both so fucking wrong. All right, believe it you <laughs> it's will. A good, no, it is. It's, it's got great... That has got great music. Oh, my music gosh. The music for, is like, the best. Especially up to that point. Especially up to that point in the show, I, they had not used music that effectively. Go ahead. All right. Go, go ahead, Clay. Like, finish your point, and then I'll just tear into you. All right. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Um... The thing was, the music was excellent. It really complemented the story. And, come on. I don't see why Twilight becoming an Alicorn princess is that bad of a thing. I think it's a great thing. I understand people were, like, ups- were like a little scared about, like, the dynamics of the show changing. But, up until now, there have been episodes where Twilight wasn't even in them. You know, it's... I don't really think that, uh... That it changed the di- that it was going to change the dynamic. It didn't, and come on, Twilight's a princess, and that's 
Barry, uh, you told me this point uh, a couple of years back, I think, and it really resonated. You said that, you know, the show really isn't about us. It's about young girls, and becoming a princess is, like, the paramount of all things. It's, like, the best thing that could ha- ever happen to you. And yeah, she... I, I, I was plagiarizing somebody on the internet who was on... It was some Reddit comment where someone was, like, a parent. Oh. I full wholeheartedly subscribe to that belief and just believe that it was a incredible episode. More so than any other episode that I can think of. I mean I think um I think the Crusaders of the Last Mark came pretty close in season five, I think it was, but in my mind, there's objectively no better episode. I have a, pr- I have a prediction for Seldom's like response, because I don't think he like objects to Twilicorn as a concept. Okay. I think he just doesn't like the episode for whatever reason he has. Okay, so three, so three Please. things. There, are, there are three things wrong with this episode, or like I have three major sort of struts to my response. One, nobody disputes that the music was, was, was like good in this episode. Really, like I think everybody agrees that the songs were just killer. Like Daniel Ingram is a god. Like he hasn't taken a day of vacation in like, 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 like a decade or something like that. I heard once. That's probably apocryphal, but I like to believe I, I it. I have heard that. I've heard it's like I heard it was like five years, but yeah, right. But I, I, I like to. I don't know. I like to think that he's just so good at his job that he's just like his. He's reached the Tau, you know. Like he, 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 he is on and in the path. He is like in the universe, and he, he does not. He does not think. He only acts, and so that allows him to not even have to take a vacation because his work. He's just so good at it. That he doesn't even think about it. He doesn't even like it. Doesn't stress him out to be doing it, um, and whatever. So, music-wise, like best episode, sure. Okay. Um, I don't know. Uh, Rainbow in, Rocks has, is a pretty close challenger for best. Yeah, episode. I, I just it's a movie. In in Rainbow Rocks, I wasn't a, I wasn't a huge fan of the finale because like. The song, the, the sort of the count that when they play the songs against each other, like the, the sirens don't change the tempo at all. So like you have these sort of discordant tempos or whatever. They have this really slow, just kind of like that, like, ah, or whatever, like the tempos don't match up. So like their song is boring and then they lose and it's like, well, of course they did mm. anyway. Okay. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I'm a music nerd. So, um, <laughs> Anyway, so nobody disputes the music's one. Nobody disputes the music was like was like not what it was. Okay, so it was, that was incredible. Two, nobody disputes that Twilight was going to be or should have eventually become an alicorn. Like we have it as word of God that this was going to happen. Now, like while Faust herself was not producing the show at the time, she had already sort of stepped away from from that to do other things. We have it from Lauren Faust herself that Twilight was eventually going to sort of ascend to Alicornhood. But the fact is, like, we get this hint, right? Like, when we have the Sombra episode where, like, Luna and Celestia have this book and it, like, clearly is something very important because the camera sort of, like, lingers on it and so on and so forth. Like, we have between that time and the time that that, that, that Magical Mystery Tour where Twilight, like, sort of becomes a princess, right? We have that time and we're looking for hints like we're looking to figure out how she's being prepared to become a princess and 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 how this process works even like and we have no information and there's nothing else about it like 
It was the same reason that the introduction of Shining Armor was bad and looked down upon, because we have no hint that Twilight has any, uh, not family, but any siblings at all. We assume that she's an only child, because she certainly fucking acts like one. And so we have this tiny little leader of the book, and Luna, you know, Luna and Celestia sort of saying, oh, well, but she needs to be prepared, like, she's on this path, right? But then it's just like, oh, okay, well, half an hour. Like they don't even donate, like a, they they don't don't even uh, allocate an entire two episodes to it, and then it just happens, and we're not even clear what she did. Like, cause Celestia's like, well, hey, bro, y- you you've never done this before. No one's ever done this before. Um, but you know, we don't we don't even really know what that means, honestly. Well, no, but I mean. It seems like Princess Material. She used the power of friendship to to rewrite a, a century-old spell and reverse calamity. That seems deserving. Sure. Seems deserving of uh, some royal <laughs> royal perks. But it's awfully convenient. <laughs> Stories um, are awfully convenient. Right. I don't like. I, mean, just, I don't like hearing this in criticism of the fiction because like, it wasn't okay. Are, that's are convenient. That's true, but it just the pacing. Like most people disagree with the pacing. Really, like that they 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 only allocated half an hour for it. It was basically a musical, and at the end, she gets a crown and wings. Um, I would I would agree with you in the sense that like I would have preferred a uh, forty five minute version of the episode. I think they could have done it in that amount of time. Or they could have actually, you know, had continuity and, like, had two or three sort of, like, you know, sort of stapling the fabric down to sort of establish, like, hey, yeah, we're going to do it. Like, we weren't really signposted. Like, there was a hint, but it was only speculative to, it was only speculative to conclude that she was going to, that Twilight was becoming Alicorn anyway. Like, that was, it was a reach to even say that. I blame Hasbro for this. Because they that was the short season, and yes. the season two finale, which was good, was the the best glass of lemonade the show ever made because they were given the lemons of, we want to make this toy, make it happen in the show. Right, exactly. And they did it. And, and they're, they're, the, the yeah. staff of the show, like, I've always, I haven't liked literally everything the staff of the show has ever done on the show. Like, there are things I don't like. I don't like the third Equestria Girls movie, for example, but they're underestimate their ability to make lemonade at a lemons at your own peril because they're really competent. Right. And I think that this is their budget and just the direction that um, the fact that their resources were split between that and the first Request Rear Girls movie. I, I feel like this is an external pressure on the show that if Faust had stayed around and they, they had been running the show like they had been, I think it would have been a 45 minute episode and signposted the way they do everything else. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I I don't necessarily like strictly blame the blame the writers because I'm fairly certain that the reason you know we have some reasons to believe that the reason that Faust left was because Hasbro was kind of like hey man like you're not you know you need to do more things you need to change the appearance of the characters you need to introduce more characters you need to do this that and the other so that we can sell toys better uh, you know casual tip we're still a toy company and Faust was probably like <laughs> casual tip I quit. Um, anyhow, the third, the third thing, and again, this does kind of come back to meta and the way that the show is produced and what Hasbro is and has been up until this point, the dynamics of the show not changing is the opposite of what it should have been. 
like life as usual is like not fucking acceptable after you have an event in a show like this that like has the potential to change everything uh uh so like that's my third point like my third point is and you know like barry and i talked about this like around this time i believe that it would have been really it would have been really brave and really good and i think it would have worked out given the caliber of the writers of the show usually um if they had just fast forwarded if they said all right well twilight's a fucking princess fast forward five ten years like show is now about the cmc or something i still want them to age the cmc in a meaningful way same and and giving them a cutie mark is not a meaningful way of aging them I would I would agree, especially a terrible fucking cutie mark like the ones they like, got. What was like, wrong with this? Good what episode. The, what was wrong with those cutie marks? They were bad. They clashed good with episode, their colors. Bad cutie mark. Yeah, yeah. The design isn't good. The design of the cutie mark is not good. They're too small. You can't make it out if they're not like if it's not in full focus. I can't tell what's in the middle of Scootaloo's or in the middle of Sweetie Bell's or in the middle of Apple Bloom's, and they don't really. We don't have it. It doesn't solve their character. Like, what do they want to do? Like. Sweetie Belle's clearly gonna sing, but she still doesn't know that as a character. But the whole point of their cutie mark is that they're bonded together. Like their struggles together has what's has what is what has made them what they are. Three Right, but their cutie friends. marks are still individuated, which is which is the weird thing. Like they they sort of they're straddling the fence with that cutie mark thing. Yeah. Um They could just th- look nicer. They could just look nicer. That's that's and be that would help a lot to really sell to, to really sell them because the thing is like I feel especially on Scootaloo but like on all of them they have like the kind of the three colors and like and then the little symbol inside and then the shield on the outside and the outline there's just a lot going on and they could have just said okay well they all get the same cutie mark or they all get this cutie mark that's like yeah basically that or they could say well you know they all get like one shield symbol and then one you know Apple Bloom gets a fucking hammer, like, uh, and I'm a little salty that she didn't get a building-related cutie mark because clearly she's fucking bomb at that. But it's like I don't no, even you... know what's in her cutie mark because I, I it's can't a f- see it. Barry, Barry, can you guess what's in her fucking cutie mark? Uh, it's an apple. It's an apple. <laughs> it's a fucking apple. Okay, there's an apple in her cutie mark. All right. Oh fuck, <laughs> Jesus, I can't. I, that's that's just listen, it's, she, listen. It's her cast. She can't get out of her Earth Pony farming. Far, she's just she's peasant serfdom cast. My my whole thing, my thing about how like if, if Equestria made sense, it would be a caste system. It would be a it would be like India. It would be like the unicorns are at the top, and then the Pegasi are like the are, are you know are sort of the the soldiers and are the the middle class and the artisans and then the earth ponies are the are the peasants and the serfs. But it 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 was like that. Yes, it, was, to, it was, but like friendship fixed everything. Yes, yes, it's a good show. Yeah. I every time I see like uh, not every time, but like many times to this day, I'll be watching the show and I'll see uh, a unicorn character like do a thing. Like right. they'll always they'll all be trying to like open a jar of something. And it's it's Pinkie Pie and and Fluttershy and, and Rarity and Rarity just doesn't immediately with her magic and I think there's no way that the unicorns would be breeding with you know, ancient unicorns would be associating with breeding with and have, living in like equal as equals in a society when they have that like when the starting point like biologically is so 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 vastly like unicorns are OP they just are 
but they can't farm. Costs. They can't grow food to save their lives. Why not? It just that's just not a talent that they have. Like but just why? The, why couldn't well, they use it, their, look, their? Look, look, look. If you look. want to get into the fucking lore of this, we literally can. All right. So like, <laughs> look, their access to the and this is like a little bit hyperbolic, but like the mechanism is something such that like their access to these sort of magical, esoteric like ley lines of fucking power, like. But you you basically you trade your connection with the earth in exchange for that in the same way that in like FF7 like if you have Mako and whatever like it changes you to have that power and you are sort of I, I've heard you dehumanized. Tell me this before, but where in where in where diegetically does it say that? Where in canon does it say that this is what's happening? That the Earth ponies have, it just kind of says it indirectly. Kind of... We have it from like we would presume that if the unicorns like needed food they wouldn't like the thing is in if we're to believe the event the, the portrayal in hearthswarming eve which some fans like speculate some of them are like no no it's just it's strictly a myth like the hearthswarming eve story where they fight the windigos isn't true like it's just it's it's made up and like Lu only luna and celestia really know the real truth because they're the only ones old enough to remember that back that far and they burned a lot of books because lol they never tell us anything about what happened in the past um uh and we can talk about that later <laughs> but if we are to believe that they're in the middle of winter and like all the earth ponies have is like these shriveled turnips and carrots and so on which are not enough really suitable to feed anybody you would would you not think that one talented unicorn with the power to grow oh i don't know um who cares potatoes would not just fucking do that and be like oh it's cool guys we've got our own little fucking world I, you know we can eat potatoes until i learn how to grow some other stuff like fuck all those other horses like we're surviving like that does not happen i guess and, i've always assumed that the story you're telling has not been literal history our, right. When I, well, when I, when the part of my brain that thinks that is the same part of my brain that like learned about how to like think about history from a geographic centered point of view in like senior year of high school. Right. So I'm I'm pretending like what if you know what's the what's Equestria's version of guns, germs, and steel like? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So yeah, um, I think that history would have. I would argue against that, though, that history, equestrian history, would have played out differently had there been even a handful of t of unicorns who were sufficiently talented at growing things to to do so, because they would have just had this fallback, right? I mean, they control they they can control the fucking weather. How hard should it be? Clearly hard. We, um, we, we grow we grow food. and We don't have magic. Well, right, but but inherently, like clearly, like we're Earth people. Th there are certain things. The our universe is not the same as like the universe in MLP, like clearly, that's and that's one of the reasons yeah. that it, that it makes it interesting is that the very sort of the fabric of reality is not the same. And so, as you watch the show, you know, as as a nerd, <laughs> you're trying to figure out like what are those differences, you know, and like for. And everyone here, Clay, you watch some Doctor Who also, yeah. right? Like, one example that I use a lot to, like, try to explain this a little bit is, like, in Doctor Who, like, it's really... Imp the, the, the Doctor places great, great importance on, like, saving humanity, right? 
and like protecting like regular fucking people who you know like collect the garbage or like or you know plumb the pipes or whatever right and like in doctor who there's this fundamental difference and like it's the same in um uh 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 jesus christ what's the matt damon thing with potatoes uh the martian yeah the martian it's the same thing in the martian where like humanity is like 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 we have the same world but the fundamental difference in the universe is that humanity is is actually fundamentally good like inherently good it's the same in doctor who as it is in the martian like IRL, we would be like, oh shit, we left an astronaut behind. Well, I mean, we could spend $38 billion, like to, or, you know, whatever it is, right, to like turn the ship around and like risk a bunch of more lives. Or we could like, I don't know, spend that on healthcare and save like, like, like 10,000 fold as many people as we would by like saving this one fucking asshole on Mars. Um, uh, okay. Uh, some human beings would would be very pro turning the ship around and would sure. even put up a lot of money to do it. I mean, like Schindler's list was a real life thing that happened. That dude put himself in serious danger to save people who he, who could not help him. Right. But the thing is, you know, I, 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 I don't know. Like it was an international effort though, is the thing in the Martian, right? Like, like the Chinese had to agree to like spend all of this money and so on. And it was just like out of nowhere. You know That's what I mean? True. Uh, anyhow, like it, it, Dr. Who is maybe a better example. Like, l like the doctor very clearly explains that like at least one point that like normal people are very, very important and that it's like not okay that like space aliens show up and like, like, and you know, and kill a nigga or whatever. Right. Like it's, Yeah. Whereas in reality, like, maybe not, maybe, maybe we don't know that. Maybe that's not so true. Um, but anyhow, uh, the weather doesn't control itself in Equestria, except over the Everfree Forest, which is weird. Um, you know, there's, there's a bunch of things like that. Um, wherein certain things that should be magical aren't, and certain things that are magical. Well, the, I often think about the relationship that, Celestia has to non-pony creatures because uh -huh. she's involved in like bringing the sun and moon above the sky in a very mythological way. She's like very godlike and she rules over her species, I guess. Right. She's the amalgamation amalgamation of but there's griffins and dragons and horses in Saddle Arabia and I've I've forgotten many of them. I feel like I hear a new one every couple of episodes of a new place that they're going to. There's Crystal Empire, too, which is ponies, but they're ruled by Cadence. Right. Who I guess as part of... I guess that's a puppet government. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, it is. That is an interesting question. Like, in some fanon, like, everybody has... All of the different species have their own, like, god. And some of them are sort of fallen, and others of them aren't, right? Like, the Griffins... In one fanfiction, like, the Griffins have, like, there's, a, there's sort of, like, a Sphinx character who's sort of their kind of deity, progenitor, whatever, whatever. Hmm. Um, but that's completely, you know, we, we've we yet to see anything like that in, in, in show or even comic canon. How caught up are you, are any of you guys to the comics? Because I'm probably like two years behind on the comics now. I, don't, I think the last Pony comic I read was in 2015. Uh, I'm probably about at the same spot. I just kind of got a big pile of them that I got from a friend, and I don't... Uh don't really think they're in any order so i'm just kind of sporadically reading them 
Okay. But do you have apart- the main series or do you have the the Friends Forever micro series or micro series? Just out of curiosity, do you have any of the other imprints? I'm not sure. To be honest, it's been about a year since I've picked one up. Oh, okay. okay. No problem. But yeah, aside from the ever the whole Everfree Forest deer thing weirdness, um, we don't really see any other deities that are like Celestia or Luna. But and and most people don't like that comic anyhow because it sort of subverts what the Everfree Forest has been established to be in the show. So they're like, nah, fuck this one. Like no one's integrating this into their headcanon. <laughs> I like how the comics are basically the exact same relationship that the Star Wars comics had to the Star Wars movies pre Disney acquisition. Where right. They're non canon technically because they're non canon because they're just they're not they don't the the movies and the shows like don't communicate with the comics at all. Like they're not getting they don't they they watch the episodes as as, as soon as we see them. Yeah. As fans. So they they're just professional fan fiction, but they're professional, so most of the time they're really good. Uh and some of them aren't as good. I I've read a couple of pony comics and didn't like too much, but for the most part, especially um Katie Cook, Andy Price books they did the very first episode and anytime they come back to do an issue i said issue they did the first issue and many other like subsequent issues and story arcs anytime right. andy cook and katie price um no no katie cook and andy price uh get to get are on i see them on the cover like that's that's gonna be a good one yeah i Tom almost Zoller is good too but like there's lots of right most people a lot of people in the fandom will actually just say that they wished that uh that the Cook Price team would just be fucking given, like, free reign. Um, I think they want to work on other things. Okay. So, is Celestia good? Is she bad? I'll, I'll, I'll yield, I'll yield the floor. Okay. I'll, I'll do, alright. Celestia. Celestia is good. I'll tell you why Celestia is good. Celestia <laughs> is good. Because in the moral universe of My Little Pony, she is the platonic ideal of a pony. She is an alic- she's the original alicorn for as far as the show's concept goes. Yeah. And she is the she is the uh the the uh the Allah the, the like sort of the, the Yahweh Uhura Mazda uh god lord or lower lord of light kind of uh ancient deity who represents like all goodness and all like sort of the it, once once societies discover duality you know you have one side you have, you call it one thing and you call it the, the god that represents all that one thing you know el allah and stuff like that she is that and and luna represents the other side uh and the reason why she is good is because she is incapable of doing wrong because she is goodness she is the platonic <laughs> oh, in the universe, not in our me. universe, not in our, <laughs> not in our universe, but in Equestria, in the universe of the show. She is clearly designed to be the perfect pony who is who the entire functioning of the world is dependent upon her will and her ability to pull it off. So she's and so so she's the god empress of pony kind is what you're she telling is. me. She is now she you might say, but she didn't know about chrysalis. If she's omnipotent, I didn't say she's omnipotent. Okay, I'm saying she is the the closest thing to a god that exists in the universe, and the only thing that seems to be giving any kind of concrete moral guidance and has and guides other ponies to the moral guidance that they themselves are that she herself is like a part of. 
and knows sure. the job. Sure. So she is, she is, I'm just going to take a, I'm just going to say that she is the platonic ideal of a ruler. She is the, she is the philosopher queen of all of Equestria who gets to be the philosopher queen because she is, is the embodiment of all goodness. And in that moral universe, there's no other right way to have a government because, or a, run a society because you literally have the most morally significant cosmically significant ontologically significant being around literally raising the sun over your head why wouldn't you go ahead and just say this is this is it all right i've got 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 empress of of equestria so that's my that's my argument sure sure and and i mean to be fair in 40k the god emperor of mankind is not omnipotent he doesn't know everything um uh uh or or omniscient is is really the um yes yeah omniscient yeah omnipotent is can't do anything Right, right. Uh, and that would make for a boring show, anyhow, right? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. He, he, nor is he omniscient. But if Celestia is the embodiment of, of of goodness and light, sort of incarnate, um, you know, not that she sort of has and is all of it that could ever exist, but she's just sort of the the pinnacle, the most purest form of of that. What what is Luna? I mean, is she just like is does Luna is Luna just gay? Like is she is is Luna like a bad horse, like like by by your definition, like what what yin is she, she was, to Celestia's well, yang? Structurally, right? she was bad. She was bad, and in the purposes of like telling a story, she has an arc, and so she can't stay bad. Sure. Uh, and instead, what she so there's two ways you can be. I forget which. I get yin and yang mixed up all the time. But let's say she's she's yang. Okay. So yang is yang is sun. Yin is shadow. Yes, let's say she is. Yeah, so so for, for if if Luna is the Yin, then there are two ways of being. Like Yin can be good and it can be like sort of perverted. It can be you can have the good version of it and the bad version of it. The bad version of it is sort of the devil, right? It's the trickster who tricks for like their own gain and with sort of this sadistic desire to harm others and like sow chaos. They're like sort of like a little bit like Discord is kind of like that too. Although he's more chaotic neutral. Right. Um, uh, she, she is like that, but she had her to be a character in a story. She has to have an arc, and so she changes and becomes instead a supplement kind of goodness to uh, Celestia. Celestia is sort of lawful good and does the right thing and doesn't hesitate. Luna is sort of the way of she's she's more like the Wu way. She's like I'm going to hang out and play video games, even though I know that's not. <laughs> It's not canon at all, and I will. <laughs> anyway, you will no. fail me. <laughs> I will fail this exam. Yeah. <laughs> Non-canon sources, plagiarism. You're done. Um, <laughs> Luna, Luna is instead uh, the uh, she is if if uh, if Celestia is the Platonic Western philosophy idea of sort of like Christian God goodness, then uh, Luna, in her good incarnation, not in her bad incarnation, is. The Eastern um, God is goodness. Eastern, is yeah. Eastern philosophy. Right. She's like, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna let people think outside the box to solve their problems and have them help them themselves by going into their unconscious of their dream. Like she she rules she rules the ponies in their sleep, and right. Celestia is their incarnation. It rules them in their in their physical daily lives. Right. That's how cool. I would set that up. Cool. I think that's a. It was that was a well constructed description. Clay, how do you feel about um, Celestia and whether she's a good person or not? Uh, well, before I can really 
give an answer. I, uh, what what are the arguments saying that she's a bad person? Because honestly, I don't. I, I mean, I see that she's occasionally made a mistake. I guess, but I guess I'm going. I okay. guess I'm going. Yeah, Celestia is not I'll a good horse. My judgment until I hear what you have to say. So, like, this is a little bit slippery, just given the fact that we, we, we have kind of, like, this information dissymmetry, wherein, like, we don't know everything about the universe. And so, like, I think, it you know, and this is one of those things, this is a kind of a flying spaghetti monster type dilemma, wherein it could be that reality is so very, very different from what we actually know and see and understand, because because there's these things that are sort of invisible behind the scenes or otherwise we have never had information about which if we did we wouldn't do the same things right like maybe like really uh sort of uh what's the right word for this berry like maybe inherently it's 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 better to be a cannibal and not eat carrots because like eating carrots is like some awful moral sort of metaphysical or whatever sin like the worst thing that you could do but we don't know are you talking about like whether if we don't understand morality, like for all we know, morality, you know, like watching a, a pony show could be the worst thing ever. Right, exactly. Have, like the like, uncertainty about moral laws than like. Right. Yeah. Like the sort of the very fabric of the universe, like has a real morality to it that's subjective. And we just we only see sort of like little glimpses of it. And maybe we're doing the wrong thing. Right. Like maybe as the human race, we're fucking up. Um <laughs> Uh, well, hold. I mean, there is a and not to like derail your thing a little. Go bit ahead. Too go ahead. Much, but there is an objection to this kind of okay. You know, how do we know carrots aren't worse than the Holocaust? Kind of thinking, which is one <laughs> thing. Nobody has an argument for why carrots are worse than the Holocaust. First off, nobody actually makes that argument. They just pose it as a as a hypothetical and then yes. use it as a rhetorical device. It's not a real argument. Uh, and part of the reason why it's and, and even if that even if even the rhetorical part of that argument uh, has has been refuted in that uh, you could say the only moral law that is relevant criteria for human beings are things human beings are capable of doing. Sure. It's not a law. It's not a moral imperative for you to do something that it is impossible for you to do or know. But we could also but we could stop eating carrots, Barry. That's I think. <laughs> but you have to know that you can. Eat, stop eating carrots you right. have to know that like you have to be able to understand it if we are incapable i think if we knew that eating carrots was wrong we would have figured it out at this point <laughs> and so if we are incapable if we are incapable of understanding that car eating carrots is truly a sin uh then it's really not a sin for us in the way that like it's not wrong for a dog to like go you know to catch a bird even if he's a domesticated dog and doesn't need the bird to die for him to eat right because like dogs don't even moral laws don't even apply to dogs like that those are things for pe those are things for people things with moral agency and a thing with moral agency has a specific like set of rules around it. There's a really cool book called The Ethics of Killing by somebody Mc McMahon McMullen Mc something. Uh, it's called The Ethics of Killing Killing blah 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 on the margins of life questions on the margins of life or whatever. He gave a great uh, uh, interview. Uh, it's a good book. Hey, it's me interrupting me from the past. Uh, I was stumbling to remember uh, the book I was referring to, but I, I have the guy's name, Jeff McMahon. Uh, he's a philosopher at Rutgers University. Uh, the book is The Ethics of Killing. Uh, it's kind of pricey. It's an academic book, so they, they just gouge you for it. But if you don't want to read the book, there is a really good short podcast episode that he was on, uh, Philosophy Bites, and there is a link to that in the show notes. It's uh, The episode's called 
Moral Status with uh, Jeff McMahon on Philosophy Bites. And I recommend you listen to it if you're interested in that sort of thing. Okay, back to a very long argument about ponies. Talking about, like, not just about what is good and bad, but is what counts as something being a moral agent. Okay. So, sure. not to, I, like, I, I, I did exactly what I didn't want to do, but... No, that's fine. No, that's good, because that... that that strengthens my argument arguably right okay in in that given what we know right like unless there are these sort of hit facts that are hidden from us that like basically things that celestia knows that we as the audience don't know uh it's hard to make an argument for her being good depending on your interpretation of certain things um like the easiest like i think the main the crux of the objection that people have to celestia as sort of this um as sort of this perfect um moral ruler is sort of is is the question where was she where was she um uh for instance where was she when ponykind was sort of at war with itself and the and you know and the uh the Windigos were going to like sort of destroy everything. Uh, why did she choose to banish so many of these villains who are now coming back to sort of haunt Ponykind and cause chaos and misery? Um, and like, yeah, I guess where was she during Magic Duel? You very clearly could have seen the fucking fishbowl over the entire village of Ponyville from Canterlot. Um, <laughs> uh, Really, honestly, like, I have given this some thought. And so there's a couple, there's a couple things. So, like, people will say, I'll just go through what people say. So people say, well, she didn't fight, fight Discord, and Twilight almost sort of fell victim to his spell, um, and sort of, and, and, and that would have been it, right? Equestria would have just gone back to this utter sort of nonsense chaos world as Discord would have it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but like sort of by the skin of our you know by the skin of their teeth twilight is you know she she reads through some of she reads one or two of these letters and then she's like oh shit yeah like lol and then eventually um you know spoilers they they beat discord and equestria doesn't become this sort of chaotic kind of hellscape for most characters um so the question is why doesn't celestia fight discord um that's one. Two, wh- how could Celestia be so blind as to fail her sister so hard that her sister becomes this monster who almost destroys the world, right? Like, I, I would argue that that is a moral failure. Well, that one... And then finally... If, if I may uh, if I may interject, I hate to interrupt, but... Yes. Uh, I would also question how often do do the two make contact? I mean, Celestia, as we discussed before, isn't omniscient. Uh she can't see things that are not happening like right in front of her and right. luna is always working the night shift whereas celestia is always working in the day so i would argue that the only real times they see each other were you know when in the morning and uh at twilight they do they do have minimal overlap like it's it's kind of like an hour maybe or something <laughs> uh is patrick is uh, uh, seldom is the is the main argument against the moral reign of Celestia based on uh, arguments from ne- like an argument about, about her negligence 
by most, citing like they episodes. mostly are they okay. they basically mostly are and so like i think the strongest argument probably the strongest because like there's some head cannons that you can introduce that would that would that would justify what would appear to be negligence for instance perhaps celestia doesn't have the power to beat her sister right um and whereas she did when she had this connection with the elements of harmony she was able to banish luna blah 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 like perhaps she is weakened or was fallen by that by that or sort of by by that happening right so like now disconnected from the elements of harmony and having to fight her sister before she simply can't bring herself to or she for some reason doesn't have the power to but she doesn't um, want to fight her sister anyway she doesn't want to kill her sister and if she's and if she's omniscient enough she or wise enough then she knows that at some point luna will 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 complete her character arc and become the the gamer luna sure and yeah that no, is not something i'll that kill you an um, omnipotent yeah. character can't do for another you have to you have to luna has to do that herself which is why she banished her to the moon so she could like basically put her sister in timeout sure right and we do know that and we do know that eternal night does not destroy equestria like we have that from i think the 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 second hearth's warming episode or i always get these two confused we have this from the time travel episode the second one. Oh, actually um, that might be my favorite episode it's a great episode it's actually that. really good that's the fastest way to get me to love your thing is to have time travel in it in the time tra- but in the time travel episode like we actually see what it what the kingdom of eternal night is like like what sort of night equestria is like and uh it, it's not like a deathscape like not uh people ponies can still survive it's cold it's unpleasant life is different but not everyone's dead um so I think there is an argument to say that, you know, maybe even Celestia anticipated that, right? Maybe she knew that that even if Nightmare Moon could keep the moon, um, like, in the sky and prevent daytime from arriving, even if she could do that, what, uh, you know, it wouldn't be Doomsday, right? Um, and then eventually the main six would hopefully figure it out or new bearers would emerge and, you know, so on. Uh, so there's that. Next, there's Discord. Like, and it's, it's usually Celestia's, since we typically see her, like, during crisis and not at other times, a lot of times these arguments hinge upon, like, the sort of the finale or introduction episodes uh, in a season. Um, the next one is Discord. Arguably, she, I, I, the, the argument that I've heard is that for Discord, if she were to be sort of discorded, quote unquote, like, she, you know, where they sort of get that gray sort of, uh, uh, sort of veneer over their colors and so on, and they like, kind of like in the look, episode. Yeah, exactly. Like in the episode where they sort of act like the opposite of themselves, right? Like that would spell that would truly spell the end of Equestria, right? If if that happened to um, you know, the Sun Princess, right? So she has to like keep herself away from that. If that can indeed is that if that indeed is something that can befall her, but with Sombra, like. When we finally get around to Sombra, um, you know, clearly they established that Celestia didn't know about the changelings or chrysalis or whatever. Like she didn't know that, uh, that the changelings would just suddenly return in force. Um, but for Sombra, she knows about Sombra. She knew that he was coming back. Um, and she knew that she could send, and, and she knew that she could send her, her sister, like Luna warrior fucking princess to go and make sure that nothing goes wrong. 
but it, but but we and we have established canonically that like that that if twilight and her friends fail to beat sombra like that is pretty much the end of equestria because sombra will raise a fucking army of crystal ponies like use his magic to brainwash all of them and then wage like a a, a an unspeakably bloody campaign supposedly and enslave everyone in the nation not a great outcome. But instead, Celestia's like, no, man, it says in this book that, like, Twilight's going to be pretty great. So, like, instead of us having, like, a little doorstop or whatever, we're totally just going to let this door, like, punch a hole in the fucking wall if something goes wrong. Uh, Are you So is this argument the presence of danger in the show is indicative of her not being a good person, not being a good ruler? The no, that, like, but, but here's plot. the thing. It's like... It would be like letting, it would be like, let's say that your kid is going to go drive to do something important. Fuck if I care. They're going to, now they're 16 and they're going to drive to baseball practice. Um, and then, you know, your, 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 let's say your brother or whatever. So your kid's uncle is like, Hey man, do you think that, that, that I should maybe ride along or whatever? Or like, maybe we should buy this kid car insurance because like, Oh man, that baseball field's sure a long way away and whatnot. And you're like, no man, it's cool. Like if they get into the shit, like it'll be a learning experience, like fucking getting in an auto accident without insurance. Like, oh yeah. And also there's a fucking, uh, a paper bag full of puppies and, and, and kittens in the back who will surely die if, if, if the car comes to a sufficiently sudden stop. Um, that's fine. Insurance would help. Uh, this is, uh, so you so this is the problem of evil. My argument is if you could if you could do something to ensure that something really 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 bad doesn't happen to millions of people or ponies in this context, why wouldn't you do that thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, I guess yeah, basically that. Like, if you could send your super amazing warrior princess to, like, just hang around just to make sure that, like, that if Sombra wins, which he almost fucking did, like, it came down to literally Shining Armor's ability to throw his waifu. <laughs> had he had he hurt his arm, had he hurt episode. his... Had he hurt his throwing arm or whatever, would that be you know, w- would that have been it? And, you know, clearly Luna would have been like, no, listen, I'll just throw your waifu because I'm fucking the best. Let me just, here, step aside, right? And it, and it would have been fine. Things um, that mess with my suspension of disbelief are very easy for me as a viewer to be like, well, I don't care. That doesn't matter. There's yeah. a Simpsons little, little scene. Uh, I think this is the episode where Homer is the voice of Poochie, and he's at yeah. the convention for Itchy and Scratchy. And then they ask him, some nerd asks him, like, um, in episode 133B, you kill, uh, you know, Itchy kills Scratchy and, like, takes his, you know, plays his, his, uh, uh, ribcage like a xylophone. And there are four ribcages, but five notes are played. Are we supposed to believe that this is some kind of magic ribcage xylophone? And Homer, like, just sort of calls him a nerd and says, you live in your parents' basement, which is actually not a very funny joke. Um, but <laughs> I, if if I were what, if that is not a problem, like, of Itchy and Scratchy not being, like, a well-constructed universe 
because it's got a because the there's a problem with how the 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 diegetic nature of the xylophone makes sounds like it's not like that it's not a problem with the world building is what i'm trying to say sure it's a but... problem with production and most of the time bad episodes of my little pony are the result of hasbro being like do a thing right and so i can kind of be like well i i can't in, in some weird part of my mind sunset uh, starlight glimmer is just sunset shimmer and and i'll just go to sleep thinking that because in a world with like, without equestrian girls like that's what would have happened yes i guess i'm not being fair because i'm breaking i'm breaking the rules of the argument probably um by invoking the fourth wall of the fact that these are pr- these are produced things by like a, a team of people right and people just screw up it sounds to me like this is just pony is just not was especially in the first three seasons not well the world building was not like their main priority and so there's in, just there's some incongruities there right and i'm i'm willing to be like well who cares about that those are the arguments though basically I'm probably that... i'm probably wrong in doing that because i'm not playing by the rules of the game right now right um, but if you if, yeah if you do that if you do the question is like wh- wh- why what past does celestia have especially when they sort of explicitly lampshade the fact that she does have this sort of insurance, like she can set up a backstop on Calamity, and yet she chooses not to. How do we like, know she chose not to in that scene? It's been a while since I've seen that episode. She says, she basically, Luna's like, listen, sister, like, should I go? Like, this is serious shit. And Celestia's like, no, it's cool. Like, Twilight is, you know, Twilight's ready, or whatever. She, she must just handle know. It. She must just know. She must have prescience, man. She's like, Paul, but she's not this is... Knows. <laughs> This is an argument. This is an argument that a lot of fucking Celestia fags make when they say, "No, listen, she can sort of see parts of the future, and so she knows whether things will work out or whatever." But I think that removes a lot of, I, I don't know, like it removes a lot of, it like it breaks my suspension of disbelief if if we're to believe if we're to go that route, because. Now we know that, like, basically Celestia knows whether or whether or not anything will work out, and she just kind of sends Twilight off whenever she knows that Twilight will solve the problem, and when she won't, she sends someone else or goes herself. Like, it kind of, it deflates... This is why you don't have god characters it, in <laughs> stories, like, that, that it are, deflates, too yeah, much resemble yeah. a, a god a person would probably worship. It, it deflates the, yeah, it sort of deflates the agency or sort of steals agency away from the main characters if, if Celestia truly has such ability to sort of precognize about most important events. Um, like, it deflates the show in many important ways, I feel like. But she, so, you can also interpret it that she's an incarnation of, like, the form of the good son in Equestria. Okay. And this incarnation only has whatever material, like, memory that it actually has. And that if she were in her her non-temporal form, the form, you know, like the, the, the thing that's giving her life that she's representing would know what to do, but there is imperfection in her corporeal version. And perhaps even, and this is way out, this is not supported by Canon at all, that perhaps there have been a series of incarnations for the sort of the, de- sort of the, the deity, the equestrian deity of the sun and of, and of the, the young in this story. And so that's what twilight's going to become. It's just we, gonna, it's, yeah. it's kind of like Ra going from Rama to to it's like from going from Vishnu to Rama to Krishna, like they're the same guy, but like the, things are changing because right. time is changing. 
we might sus- we might suspect that that's true, and I think that you could get around. You can get around the somber thing by saying, no, no, Twilight needs to become an alicorn. It's more important than we realize. Like, for instance, if you say Celestia foresaw that T-Rex would come back and that's only Twilight as the fourth princess that T-Rex doesn't know about would be able to fight him um, after he ran around and, you know, like couldn't like after he wouldn't know where to look for the fourth princess. Right. And then the showdown would be good and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, and the castle would get blown up. Spoilers. Um, <laughs> that doesn't solve her being stupid in that season three premiere, though. Well, the, the 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 argument the argument is if if Luna is there and Twilight knows that she can fail, Twilight won't succeed. And if Twilight doesn't succeed, then she won't be able to be a good enough princess to fight T Rex or something like that. But that means that she is not that she's she's leaving it up to Twilight. And taking a risk, and you could argue that that's not a uh, that's that's a, that's a, that's a negligent risk. Right. It's yeah, that's irresponsible, and I would argue that that is irresponsible unless you have a lot of presuppositions about like how truly powerful and 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 knowledgeable Celestia is. Like, why would you? They don't lampshade it well. Like, I think fr- from a meta perspective, like it's so poorly lampshaded that we don't know what Celestia's reasoning is to really just say. Oh no, it's cool. Like, cause if she had said, like, I, I don't know, th- they could have, like, lampshaded it in some way later where she was like, hey, you wouldn't have become a princess. By the way, you remember when I risked literally everyone's life on you fucking being able to get your shitty brother to throw his shitty fucking Mary Sue fucking waifu <laughs> at this fucking hunk of fucking <laughs> compressed geological fucking material, um, you know, and, and, and take it away from this sort of, like, shadow you know, dictator, sort of whatever, imbecile, um, <laughs> would you be able to be a princess now? And, oh, LOL, the answer is no, so go fight T-Rex now, uh, because I can't. <laughs> I, I still think that pointing pointing to bad writing, isolated incidents of what is clearly bad writing as arguments to change the moral nature of a character who is set up to be a god is not it's, I, bore, I don't, I don't want to like be super like like rude but like it, it borders on intellectually dishonest to point to production trouble and bad writing but, or bad scripting and say see she was evil all along as <laughs> though that was like the word of God on Celestia. I don't think that people say evil so much as like, uh, like in, in incompetent or overbearing or Criminally whatever. Negligent. Like so. Yeah, exactly. Like not in the, not that Celestia is secretly like like more awful than Chrysalis or Sombra or or the um or the Flimflam brothers or whatever. Not that she's just secretly like an who are asshole. The, who are the most evil? The Flimflam who brothers are the, are most, the most evil. evil. <laughs> <laughs> They're the most evil characters in canon. But anyway, not that she's that, but just that she overreaches and thereby does either does evil or risks evil occurring. Um not that she's like like just like as you know, as black as night, right? Like super awful. But just that she does bad things or abuses her power. Clay, is Celestia really a god? Is she supposed to be, or is she just supposed to be like a good ruler. Be our tiebreaker yeah, here. I... Well, I mean, I think, yeah, kind of, you, you don't have to break the tie, but I think 
the argument between me and Barry actually hinges upon whether Celestia is just a character, whether she's just an old horse, or whether she's actually just sort of this, she has this very important, significant place, like, in the order of the universe, etc. So, yeah, I don't know. Settle this for us. Yeah, I would say she is um, the embodiment of the sun, and obviously she is immortal, and ultimately, uh, as far as this argument of good versus negligent, I... I have to side with Barry on this one. I think she... That... Yeah. I mean, I try to see these things only through the lens of the show. But... Sure. Yeah. yeah. Same. Very same. Definitely. That's that's how my mind works. But I think in this case, maybe... You know, with this one isolated so- incident with Sombra, I agree with you. It was a kind of a dumb thing to do, but maybe... She, yeah, I can also come up with a few reasons, like maybe maybe there was some kind of failsafe plan that you know she didn't share with us, because that would right that would make sense. If we, I mean, I don't think I've won this argument. I don't think I'm right anymore. I mean, like I think I'm right, but like I don't think I've done a good enough job of explaining my position, right? Or explain or explaining away like her bad behavior, because like my reaction to her bad behavior is, well, the writers are just being stupid. Like this is just a <laughs> misunderstanding of the character. They're right. doing it wrong. Yeah. Not a good defense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, unfortunately, we don't have enough. We don't quite have enough information to answer the question. Like, because if the writers at some point lampshaded, like, okay, well, who would have fought Turek? Like, how would the battle against Turek would have, go- like, how would that have gone had Twilight, like, somehow missed out on some, on, like, the most, the sort of the capstone lesson that she supposedly learns or could have learned against Sombra? Blah, blah, blah. Even though Spike was the only character to have learned a lesson than that. Actually, that's not true. Um, <laughs> but a- a- anyway, like, we-, we don't know that sort of that alternate reality. And moreover, we don't really know whether Celestia is truly a god or whether alicorns just live a long time. Because, you know, there's loads of fan fiction about does Twilight outlive her friends now? Yeah, these are interesting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, 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 but anyhow, yeah, like we, well, Spike will be around, right? She, that's she true. And Spike can be around for thousands of years, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, the thing is we don't, they, they've still not done a good job of fleshing, fleshing out like how alicorns work, like how they truly relate to the universe. And like, arguably they've done a less good job after Faust left. Like she, like, like Faust had things more on rails in terms of the alicorn canon. Because she would have never given us fucking cadence, um, uh, which messes with things a really lot. Because it's like, because if we, you kind of have to make this weird distinction, right? Like maybe, maybe cadence was born as an alicorn, or something, and therefore it was significant that Twilight solved this spell, and 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 therefore she's now being able to ascend, right? Because what we would assume in Magical Mystery Tour is that Twilight's ascension or her, her, her reaching the sort of um, the sort of nirvana that would allow her to ascend to Alicornhood was the significant thing that hold she on. did. Do you hold on? Do you consider? Are you aware of and do you consider the children's chapter books canon? 
No, I really, I I really, like, potentially canon, yes, but they have not ever hinted, because here's the thing, like, what Twilight did was completely insignificant if you compare what she did with what Cadence did, right? Well, Cadence saved her entire fucking village as a fucking Pegasus when she was, like, because if you integrate, if you also, if you take the chapter books, you almost have to take the comics. And if you take the comics, that means that she did all of that before senior year of fucking high school, because she's an alicorn yeah, when uh, when she dates Shining, right? I'm not I'm not sure if I would agree that if you take the chapter books, you have to take the comics, because the comics are, I guess there's no way to not get into the meta, but, like, the comics are made in-house at IDW Comics. Right. And they are licensed. The chapter books, I believe, are Hasbro products, meant to be on par with the toys, but then are the toys canon? Is there anything in the toys that is, like, a, prob- a problem? I don't follow the toys enough to, I, to know if that's an issue. Wasn't there, like, a, a the baby, the, the baby alicorn, the baby pony, like, came bef- like the toy came a year before that episode? Here's the thing. There was totally an alicorn baby, but it was, like, it belonged to Blue Blood or something like that. So the toys are absolutely not canon. Like, there, there was a thing where there was, like, an evil zebra who, like, kidnapped this fucking alicorn child from Blue Blood that he had or whatever, and, like, listen, there's been some crazy fucking playsets, like, or just blurbs <laughs> on okay. some of these toys, so you really can't I don't think, like, given that, like, you really can't take, like, toys that are made by Hasbro or that sort of have the Hasbro brand on them, um, you know, however their distribution So who decides canon then? Because Hasbro is organizing the television show. They're, if Hasbro wanted Megan McCarthy gone, yes. she would be gone. Right, correct. So who's the real authorial, like, who's the, who's the word of God now? Like, post-Faust... M.A. Larson. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. You're here first. M.A. Anyway, I would just say that it's Studio B. Like, Studio B is the the sort of strongest, surest source of canon for the sort of G4 MLP universe. And then, like, IDW Comics kind of secondarily. um, It actually is pretty weird because, like, Faust has told us things about the, the, the universe, like, after she left the show. So, like, do we now disregard those things? Um, you know, typically people don't. P- people will say, oh, no, 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 that's still where we got. I think so, because it has to be cor- – at that point, it has to be corroborated by somebody implementing it into a story. As right. Well. Unfortunately, we don't know about this sort of inheritance. We don't know, like – the question is, like, it does kind of come down to Twilight. Why does Celestia care that there's another fucking alicorn, Right. Is Twilight capable of things that Celestia can't do? The, the implication is yes, actually, yeah, from the show. I mean, that's that's that would be my response. Is that she is she's doing things that like she is supplementing. She is she is a different. You know, going back to like my my theological and like interpretation of this, like she is a different incarnation with of the same sun god force, yin force, positive energy in the universe in the universe of Equestria, and like she's manifesting as like the avatar of. Of uh of of friendship, right? Bringing bringing in the epoch of friendship, right? And like and Celestia brought in the epoch of the sun, of or of and peace Cadence, or whatever. And Cadence yeah. just doesn't work because sometimes sometimes Hasbro has to stick their dick into the ponies, and like you just have to like learn to like eat around it. <laughs> it's yeah, no, it's it, it, it's true. Cadence does pretty much like makes no sense. 
I, makes, I don't even hate her character, no but she just makes no sense. She makes perfect sense if she's a toy, because she is a toy. <laughs> she is a real doll with magic for shining armor. New new head canon about Cadence now, and I I don't dislike that character either. Like I think she's kind of fun. I mean, like she's not great, but like she's not terrible. She's right. Got cool hair. She's got a cool mane. People like her design. I mean, people love yeah. clopping to Cadence. Like, I have, I know, I, I have friends who, like, they fucking hate Cadence as a character. They hate that she exists. They hate that she's a fucking Mary Sue and that she was shoehorned in the show. But if you ask them about, like, how attractive she is, they're like, oh, yeah, no question. She's Anytime. also one of the few domestic wife and mother ponies that's not Mrs. Cake. Well, and, Mrs. Cake uh, is another story because she cheats on her husband. <laughs> oh my god, she does not. Yes, she does. I like that joke. The, the joke is really good, though. That's a nice, subtle little joke there. Clay, do you remember catching this? Uh, I remember that uh, uh, that the husband was like, "Oh, well, my uh, great great uncle once removed uh, was a unicorn, and her great great uh, aunt was a Pegasus. So that makes sense, right?" And then he kind of looks back and forth. Yeah, and he just. So, uh, does he have a visible sweat bead in that? Yeah, in that yeah, he's, he's, he, he looks pretty fucking nervous. <laughs> Anyhow, no, Cadence does kind of break things because we don't know whether she was born in Alicorn. Who, who fucking sired her? If that's, if that's the case, like, cause I think they could, they could recover this. It's, it, it's kind of funny cause they like really blew a hole in the sort of, in the sort of canonical wall that Faust had built up during seasons one and two with Cadence. Um, and and they've never bothered to fucking repair it. The storybook it. fix it. I mean, the storybooks. It, the storybook is a fix. I'm not saying it's the best fix. I'm saying it, it is a fix. It's a pretty shitty fix because then it means all that all that ever happened, all that Twilight did that no one did before, was solve a very very particular mystery. It's like, oh, okay, well, hey, here's this old fucking Mayan puzzle or fucking... No, it's the accumul... No, no, hold on. It's the spiritual accumulation of all of her experiences up to that point. Right, but Cadence had that too, so... Basically... Cadence is... Well, this is not my little Cadence. Like, the story is about Twilight. That's true, but what I'm saying is that if Celestia... When, when Celestia fucking sings for the first time that we hear her sing and everyone freaks out... When Celestia sings and she says, you never, like, no one's ever done this before, Twilight. It's time for you to be a princess so that you can watch all of your friends die and watch fucking, like, everything fall away that you ever cared about. Um, you're welcome. Um, you're welcome. Uh, when you, now that you're, like, and you're able to become a princess because you never did this thing that, that, that anyone's ever been able to do before. Like, fuck me. It's been, it's been, a thousand years or so since Star Swirl was alive. Like, are you telling me that no one ever, like, looked at any of his spells and, like, figured out how to do them better? That's garbage. Like, clearly we have talented unicorns who are good at magic. That's their special talent. And clearly they would have figured out shit. I don't, like... I don't know. I mean, you're not, you're not buying... Now you're just refusing to believe in the story. Sure, sure. I mean... But it's just, it seems weird, because it's like, all right, so here's this old mystery, but it's like, of course no one solved this fucking puzzle before, because it's a fucking puzzle, and you only need to solve it once, right? I would presume that what Egyptian Celestia... Egyptian hieroglyphics have sat for thousands of years, ununderstood. 
right. until the Rosetta Stone. And that is still not enough for like a complete understanding of all the Egyptian text we have. Correct. But you wouldn't necessarily say no one has done this before. If somebody say that there was some very important wall and like near some important sarcophagus, right? When the scientist comes up with a translation that makes sense and explains all this other shit, you wouldn't be like, hey, no one's ever done this before because they would fucking punch you in the face and be like, obviously no one's done this before. That's why it's important that I fucking did it or else I wouldn't just be doing it again. Right? I think you're focusing on the tasks that she performed and not focusing on the emotional growth and her relationship Co- with her cor- friends, which correct. is the source of her magical Co- powers. Correct, which is correct. Actually no, make her the- I, I agree with you. So I agree with you. But if you take the chapter books as canon... What Celestia is saying doesn't make sense, and she must be only talking about the fucking okay. puzzle. Because if she's saying, no one's ever done this before, oh, except for Cadence, who b- totally ascended to Alicornhood before she was even fucking old enough to drive or smoke or whatever, right? Um, <laughs> uh, not that they have either of those things in Equestria, right? But, like, before she was even done with her primary education, she did this. But I'm just going to lie to you? Like, is that Celestia? Because, because <laughs> I don't know. that Because yeah, that's a pretty no, shitty right. princess I, there. You know what? I, I'm kind of, I kind of wasn't really thinking about that line for the last 10 minutes or so. Uh, which is why I was like, I thought you were t- t- talking about like the, the, the little puzzle and not the, the ascending. I thought, I Correct. was slightly misunderstanding what you were saying, but now Sorry. I, I have a fuller understanding of your point. And it is a, it is a, it is a full on just contradiction. Like, yeah. Either either she is the first ascended Alicorn or she is not. Right. So unfortunately, you know, unfortunately we don't know whether just blame Hasbro. Listen, just just take a deep breath and blame I do. Hasbro. <laughs> I do, and I blame M.A. Larson. Um. Yeah, it, it it's probably best just to blame just to blame Hasbro on this because like, yeah, because Cadence, we just. You know, I don't know. It's weird that the writers haven't addressed it, though, because you're right. In many cases, they have made lemonade out of, you know. They don't ha- want to talk about it. I don't. I think that they don't want to talk about it because they would rather build their post-Faust, post-Season 3, Twi'lekorn era, uh, turn the treehouse into the castle-like myth. That but that's fundamentally a broken myth unless you fucking address Cadence. Like alicorns are still important, even in the post-Faust canon. I I know that I'm not saying they're not. I'm saying the why would the writers create? Why would they go back and step in dog shit that they like sort of grazed the size of their shoe, grazed the side of their shoe before, but they were so graceful about it that like it looked kind of cool, right? Because it's why still... would they go back and be like, I'm gonna make sure that I like can like. Step in this dog shit. Really like, get in there. It's a lose lose situation for them with the fans. Nobody will like it. If they tried to square this circle, which is basically impossible to do logically without contradicting something, and there is going to be something that somebody, somebody like me, is going to be aware of the goddamn chapter book, and it's going to ruin the whole thing, why even bother when that's Lauren Faust's project? She was the architect of all that Alicorn shit, and M.A. Larson is the architect of whatever... Twilicorn! Oh, God. Um... I I see how you're right, but I would say that it still stinks. Like you stepped in dog shit, and now your shoe smells like fucking shit. Like you should do something okay. about it, okay? Like you don't just step in dog shit and be like, oh, well, I stepped in dog shit. Like, it's I like guess... I mean, I just I don't ex- I, I I would do you do you honestly expect a solution to this problem before the show ends? 
Uh, maybe in the movie. Fuck if we know. They might cover Alicorn lore in it. Yeah, it's not happening. Like, I just don't believe it's happening. I, 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 especially after this conversation, I really don't think they're ever going to, like, create a problem for themselves that Lauren Faust and Hasbro sort of created for them, on ac- <laughs> like, independently on accident. Right. They feel, I think they think that they handled it, I would imagine, and that it's over, and that they're telling the story from here on out, and there's no reason to revisit that stuff. I mean, I remember... Yeah, it's it's hard. I hope that we I hope that we learn, or I hope that they at least drop us some scrap that could maybe allow us to like knit together something coherent. Because like, you know, I was talking to some people, and they were saying uh, there was a guy that I was talking to who he presupposed that Star Swirl fucking raised Luna and Celestia. Um, so that, that could be cool, Canon. That could be cool. I thought it was a cool idea, too, but, like, you know, I had it in my head. It was sort of the opposite. It was that Celestia and Luna, um, yeah, that it was really the opposite, that they came to his rescue, like, in his time of sort of direst need. In the comics, this happens in the comics, I think. I think there's a scene, there's a flashback with Star Swirl, and, like, Celestia is just hanging around, and they're, like, talking to each other. Now it's in the comics. Right. None now, how old is Celestia? I mean, is she like is she like a child? Because like no, clearly, no, no. Luna and Celestia have aged. Like, because they look younger in the when we flash back to like the Plunder Seeds thing, where where Discord's like, "Oh, you're not gonna beat me, haha! I'm cute," you know. I could be wrong. I just could be wrong. But I I have a memory of there being a flashback scene in one of the comics with Jarswell the Bearded, and Celestia is talking to him. But yeah. it's possible that like that's a vision, and she's talking to Twilight. No, they totally like they totally do interact. Like Celestia and like I don't I don't know where y'all are are in the comics, but like there is a there is another magic mirror that doesn't lead to that does not lead to fucking high, high school town or what the <laughs> fuck ever. Like backwards ass <laughs> terrible fucking steaming pile of shit that <laughs> that Equestria Girls universe is. I wouldn't call. I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go that far. It just depends on how much you like hooves, bro. Like if you don't it like depends, hooves, it, de- it depends on how low you set your expectations. And my expectations for the Equestria Girl stuff was significantly low, so I've always kind of been mildly surprised, if not pleased, with that content. That's fair, with the one exception of being the the Friendship Games, which was bad. Right. I I don't know. Uh, the, the the major complaint. It's weird. People argue about whether it's even canon at all because you can effectively ignore it. Yes, and you can. And I didn't. I think someone on the writing staff implied that this was tr- this could this could be true. That this came from from someone inside the show. It, yeah, it might have been. I've definitely heard people insist that Sunset Shimmer does not exist in in the show, and it is kind of like the Power Rangers movie. Or like the Transformers movie, or, right? No, Transformers, like the, no, the Power Rangers movie from 1995, where like Ivanuse, the same things happen, yeah. right? Like you can ignore that. That movie's not canon. <laughs> yeah, right? I agree. Are we gonna fight? Are we gonna fight about this? Like that movie's not canon. It can't no, be. It's it's not. It can't be. And they go over getting the ninja powers all over again in the show in a completely different way. So people make this argument about. Right. Equestria Girls, and like that's what Starlight Glimmer is, which is why when I see her, I'm just like, oh, you could be Sunset Shimmer. She could be so much better, too. Uh, I'm not... Yeah, I don't know. I, anyhow, yeah. Uh, it's 
it's hard. Like uh, one of the interesting but difficult and challenging things of like being in this fandom is, of course, like that. In some cases, you do have these sort of budgetary or sort of limiting constraints that aren't meant to be a part of the story. Like, for instance, like people argue over whether Fluttershy is a coward, like because when she's supposed to go and like save the day and she's in that really silly bunny suit and she's like just cowering and like the birds carry her the rest of the way or whatever. People are like, what if the birds hadn't been there? Would Celestia have just like let her friends, you know, suffer and die or have whatever bad thing was happening? You could argue Fluttershy would have flown herself without the birds. Yeah, the birds yeah. Were enabling her bad behavior. Yeah, exactly. Some people say no, no. She would have. She would have. She, she she knew that she could rely on these birds to like do it, and so she just allowed herself to panic and like not act like she was supposed to, and so on. It's but, also more bad writing. It's it's flanderizing her character. Correct. Pinky gets this the most. Totally. Um, but Fluttershy sometimes, and Rarity sometimes too. I don't see it with Applejack that much because it's hard to flanderize just being a good person. R- correct. <laughs> correct. But we don't talk about background ponies on here anyway, so... Oh, I knew, it. I knew you were going to do this joke. I informed Clay of this joke before you got on the chat that Applejack was best background pony. He chuckled at it. Yeah. Or something. Oh, uh, right. <laughs> I'm sorry, I have to make that jab. Yeah, is that just because she's not in a whole lot of episodes as the main character? Correct, yeah. Like, people who really like Applejack don't get to see very much of her. But, yeah. Is that um, really disproportionately, though? Like, I, I'm thinking of, a, I don't know, about five it where she's... kind of is. If you take... Yeah, there's there's a couple. But some people... Do the, someone needs to do Yeah, that. more so than Someone Pinkie could Pie? do the math. But arguably, her episodes are all the same, because Applejack never changes. That's true. Because she is a good person. Right, she's already she's already a good person, and so the only source of her being a good... The only source of naivete for her is trying too hard, and so she does, and then that's the episode. And Rarity is similar, but, like, with Rarity, she can be more entertaining. Uh, Like, she's, like, Rarity's, like, a good person who occasionally, like has a bad day right and like is a draw is just is hilarious to watch have a bad day just because she's animated in everything she does including right. having a bad day <laughs> correct but anyway like i was just gonna say that the heart the the show is kind of hard to like in some cases you do just have to step around the bad writer bad writing and be like oh well you know the joke that the, the writers wrote this as a joke and it wasn't meant to be canon it was just meant for the screen like at that exact second like, don't pay attention to it. Uh, you know, because sometimes... We do this with the music, too. I mean, are the yeah. ponies really running around town singing? They've established that they have, actually. Oh, how? Where? Um, In season seven, I believe, actually, they yeah. do. Yeah, the in one like I just watched. S3... Yeah, in S3... E, e, yeah, in, in, in S7 E3 or S7 E4, they do it. Okay, it, it's, it's one of the early season seven episodes. They totally established that... The, so Pinky going smile, 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 smile is diegetic. They establish they establish that the main six and possibly moreover the citizens of Ponyville do have this tendency to just start singing and playing and music just kind of you know happens and 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 they sing, but that's apparently not usual. Is it is it is it a gag? Like, it's, is it, is, it's it, a, is this just a little joke? This is it's this like it's funny. We've just we've completely come full circle because. <laughs> We d- we're now having that exact discussion. 
they do imply though, because uh, yeah, basically Glimmer says, "Oh yeah," and you can, because uh, the main six go right, and Glimmer stays. Clay, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So Glimmer's like, "Oh yeah," and you can break out into song or whatever. Yeah, she's like, "Oh no, no, it was Trixie." Trixie was like, "Oh, I know. Don't worry about them. I know exactly what they're gonna do. They're gonna get in there, have a discuss." discussion about friendship and then they're gonna sing a song or something yeah but Pinkie pie has jokes like this all the time that right. i would not consider like that i would put in the exact same category as the songs as like artistic representations of what's going on in the uh, you know in the, in the in the in the actual world uh, right yeah I, I, I guess I haven't seen the episode, so I guess I can't. And there's a couple, I mean, th- there's a couple other things that are kind of like really, really weird where you're kind of, it's clear that it's more of a visual gag. Like, for instance, when Twilight, before she's going to fight T-Rex, she realizes that she has to raise the sun. And she's like really bad at it, but she just fucking does it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um. Hmm. There's a couple, yeah, there's a couple things. And there, there, there's a few more things that are just completely inconsistent, right? Like, this happens in S7, and so, like, at one point, something weird happens to Luna's cutie mark, and then at another point, the same thing happens again, and in one place, and at one point, the blotch on her, like, on her rump, like, is, stays, and the cutie mark disappears, and then in the, the other thing, the, the mark is as if it's part of the cutie mark, and anyway, that's more like a it's more like an animation thing but anyhow th- there's a lot of things that you kind of have to step around and be like oh no they they did this because it was funny not because they really wanted us to integrate that piece of information mm-hmm. that's they wanted us they, they did cadence so because she was funny <laughs> they wanted her to be thrown and they didn't want us to literally believe that piece of information <laughs> cadence doesn't exist this is my this is my best headcanon She's just a, she's just a writing mechanic, right? Yep. She's just she's she's as real as the songs. She's as real as like fourth wall fourth wall breaking. Like, right, right, right. Oh my god. I mean, really? Like he throws his wife? <laughs> Come on. Are you telling me that this is some kind of magic Equestria land with magic ponies where you can throw your wife who breaks the rules of the established like lore? Imagine if there was, imagine if there was like a Jedi. That was like actually they do this all the time, uh, and it, it annoys me. They keep adding like, Danielle and I were counting up how many Padawans um, Anakin has had. We got to like nine. If you count like all the Inquisitors, if you assume all the Inquisitors, like were taught by him personally, which you have to. Okay. And Ahsoka and the dude from uh, the Force Unleashed games. Right. And I think we we counted, and it was like nine. Is that more than like anyone else ever? It's 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 surprisingly large number of people, considering the fact that none that it's all presumably non-canon. It's not at least not in the main movies. Okay. Although Rebels is canon, so and so, but so was Force Unleashed when it came out. Supposedly that was the the dumb selling point about that game. But <laughs> can I bitch about Glimmer? This doesn't have to sure. go on the recording. Yeah, yeah. Glimmer, worst character, QED. <laughs> I don't uh, like her very much. I either. I want I want to, but I agree that like this is again this is just one of those cases of Hasbro just sticking its dick into the fucking Danish or uh jelly donut or whatever you're trying to eat 
<laughs> and you just have to not bite or choke on the dick while you're. While it wouldn't you're... be so bad if I didn't. If we, if if Sunset Shimmer wasn't right there. That this She's is right there. This and is the just... other side of the mirror. What's she gonna do? Like live her entire life as a filthy human, as a filthy fleshy, <laughs> fall in love with like fucking Brad. Flash. Again? Yeah, yeah. Bl- Brad <laughs> like, Pony. Is or this whatever? really what's gonna happen to Sunset Shimmer? Come on. Let her come back. Make make Sunset Shimmer great again. Like bring her back home. <laughs> bring her back to Equestria. But you I can't, think, and it won't happen because we have Glimmer. This but is the best. Glimmer's th- existence negates this. That's so true. I mean, this is probably the best argument for Celestia being a bad ruler is that she fucking just relegates Sunset, Sunset Shimmer to this just shithole of a reality. Like the worst possible thing that you could do. You could send someone to high school town for their entire life. <laughs> and you're just like, no man, you're not coming back. You're in high school, buddy. And that's for, for fucking keeps. All right. That's so, for keeps. Wh- what is she going to do when she graduates? That's what I want to know. I, right? I, I, I assume she'll become a teacher because that's all that's there. That's the only thing that's in the town other than I would assume that she would just become a teacher because what other job are you going to do? There's only high schools and things that make books for high schools and stuff. Everything's centered around high schools, though. Maybe she'll make it books. It makes sense if she never existed. <laughs> Glimmer is just unfortunately badly written, like, even worse than Shimmer is. And what's weird is that Glimmer was just the worst... Ca- like, she did this abominable thing. She did, like, something akin to murder in Equestria, arguably. Like, she took people's individuality away, right? Like, she stole, stole... I mean, they got it back, but, I mean, she had intended to keep them that way forever. Um... And now we're expected to believe that she's just like a good, that, that that she's like an okay bro because she realized that she couldn't win. I don't know. Well, I mean, it's okay. It's better. I prefer them doing this with their bad villains. I prefer them taking the bad characters and rehabilitating them and inter- and 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 converting their 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 sort of their pathology into into a personal strength and and create and be, because for one that makes for more characters. Sure. To change and grow to tell stories about, like Discord was, you know, for season three. And I four. agree. Uh, and also, like, when you just destroy the bad guy and they blow up, it's just fucking Frieza at that point. You know, it's just, it's just a bad guy you killed. They have so many irons and they, like, IMO, they have so many irons in the fire and they should slow the fuck down, right? Because, like, they did an okay, I could just about swallow Discord becoming a good, like, becoming a good guy i could just about swallow that definitely um uh i could just about swallow trixie becoming a good guy right and glimmer she's not super good i mean trixie's still like trixie yeah she's still kind of a cunt but like you know uh... (laughs) oh my god (laughs) (laughs) you told me i could cuss i marked it explicit no you're fine okay good you're fine Um, anyhow like they just Trixie is sort of good is, is is like sort of good now honestly I would prefer if they had actually gone ahead and just made Trixie like a like made Trixie like a real big bad or whatever um and you know and then flesh her out because now we just we're just unicorn city it's like fucking my little unicorns unicorns are magic obviously unicorns are fucking magic unicorns are the only magic pony thanks that's the show now. That would suck. That... <laughs> Even though that was my point. 
like an hour ago. We did have this parody, right? Like, we did have this parody of, like, Earth Ponies, Pegasi, or whatever. We had, like, an even balance amongst the main six. But now it's way unicorn tilted. Like, hard fucking core. Well, I mean, Rarity doesn't do unicorn things. True. Correct. Like, she she could be an Earth Pony. It wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter. She could be Pegasus. It wouldn't matter. That's correct. That's true. It allows her to have mo- fine mental motor skills yeah. for her sewing. Right. But, yeah, now we have fucking Sunburst, we have Glimmer, we have Sunset Shimmer in fucking High School high school World or whatever. And then we have fucking Cadence, we have Shining Armor, we have, and, and, and then their kid has a horn. Yeah, so, the, and their kid is a, is a, is a Alicorn too. Yeah. Right? Correct. So, that's 2v1. I mean, that's consistent because that means that uh, the, the storybook didn't happen and Twilight really was the first one. And alicorns are things that can happen because pony freak pony genetics. <laughs> How about this? Alicorns can phys- physiologically happen through pony through like a very rare pony mutation or like some weird like double uh, double recessive gene or something like that. Yeah. Okay. We can Danielle can help me do the Punnett square. I'm always bad at it. I I, I did it for a test in high school once. Uh, never did it again. You can, we can do the Punnett squares for this and figure out how often, how much of the population for a, 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 of small horses are going to be alicorns. Just because they are uh, anatomically alicorns does not mean that they are spiritually alicorns. Right. And that could be an arc that Cadence did earlier. And she, she doesn't make her not Mary Sue. It doesn't, you know, erase all the problems. But, like, it at least is them doubling down on a on a narrative about what alicorns are and what they aren't. Sure. I, I, a lot of people do maintain this sort of headcanon that there's a that there's sort of a true alicorn like, you know, Luna or Celestia and then there's sort of you know, and then you can have an ascended alicorn like Twilight and then you can have just kind of like na- like a natural alicorn like like Cadence for instance. Because like one thing that we've keep doing in this conversation and in conversations all over that I I recall talking about this with I mean I'm not like plugged into pony fandom and kind of never really was. Uh but we talk about alicorns as though like because you're an alicorn you will be a princess. Right. And that is that's a correlation. It's not I don't think that's the cause. If anything being a princess makes you an alicorn. Yeah. And it just is convenient, you know, that She's also Princess Cadence, and not just Cadence, the, right? The Alicorn, not just Cadence Candy Ass, um, <laughs> which is her original last name. <laughs> okay. All right, guys, it's getting pretty late where I am, so I gotta get going soon. So, what do you say we wrap this up with Best Background Pony? Best Background Pony, Lyra, obviously, Lyra, Best Background Pony. What, uh, Barry? Uh. In this section, would would Tree Hugger qualify as a background pony? Even though she has some lines. Which one is uh, Tree Hugger? She's only in one episode, but uh she was uh Fluttershy's guest to the gala. Is there a plot? In... She's the yeah, she's the hippie pony. Yeah, the hippie pony that like Discord That's really borderline. Yeah. That's borderline. You you, you can say what you All want. Alright, uh if uh, if she's considered a background pony, definitely she's definitely got my vote. She's a very minor outer line character who like has more in common probably with background ponies. Problem is even the back even my rule about the background ponies can't have a plot about them is broken since that they've had that episode about all about yeah the background that's ponies. true the fiftieth or hundredth uh-huh. or whatever it was. 
Did you? Did that make you rage, Patrick, or did you? I fucking loved it. It was great fan service. It was it was pandering, and I fucking loved it. (laughs) Okay. Um, and honestly, acknowledge it's pandering because that it is pandering. It's pandering, but honestly, I was like, I could use more episodes about this. Like, just fuck the main six. I don't want to hear about them. I don't want to hear about fucking glimmer. Just like world build and fucking tell me about like other characters that are now interesting and better than the shitty so main you're not six. you're not butthurt about like your your head cannons getting getting destroyed well, how, how would they be destroyed at all by what happened though like well if you had like something you know because they have that whole bonbon secret agent stuff like right which I actually that was kind of funny but hilarious if you were really like married to some fic about bonbon coming from an entirely different background and like now you're wrong like the only head cannon that i have about bonbon is that she's from Stalingrad, and that's not broken by that <laughs> and and I don't ship Lyra Bond, so like, so I don't think that that those two are like fucking married or anything stupid like that. So I was totally like, I was totally okay with it. Do you ship? Um, I think I think I know the answer to this. Do you ship uh, Discordia? I do. Oh wow! I didn't think you would. I thought I just figured you were just gonna like rain on my parade. Because I'm very pro Discordia. You have to. They, you... Ab- so they absolutely have had a relationship. In the Are you talking yes. about Celestia and Discord? Is that what that is? Yes. Okay. Yes. It's a ship. Yes. Yes. It is my very strongly held headcanon <laughs> that Discord and Celestia used to be in a in a in an adult relationship with each other, and that's kind of like I, that's the vibe I get every time they have a scene together. It's so clear that like he knows her. In a way that, like, no one else in the room does. And she is like, oh my fucking god, like, I'll never live that. Like, it's the eternal walk of shame for her. He gives her flowers and shit at the end of whatever, like, whatever episode, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he does stuff like that, too. Like, he's way too, like, familiar with her. They have some kind of history, and I, I think, that, like... Like, I don't think they were, like, a serious couple. I, I bet you they probably just hooked up or something. And... <laughs> Discord is just like loves loves that like because he can use that as like a special kind of chaos to spread with her and she's like just oh god I was in college like leave me alone right no I definitely should I I definitely ship Discordia like not now like I think clearly they're not a thing now because that wouldn't really make sense but I definitely I would definitely say this was this was a thing they hint at it and he says he's like oh dear Celestia it's been so long like he does all that. And he doesn't do that to anyone else. Um, like, even though and he she's could. she's old enough to have, like, known him yes. thousands of years ago. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, I mean, it's my headcanon that at least they ruled together for a while. Like, and then eventually, you know, and I don't, this is speculative, right? Like, we don't know. But, like, one might presuppose that they ruled for a while and then eventually discord was like fuck this this isn't chaotic enough and then he just kind of did his own thing and then they had to like turn around and go find a way to stop him definitely a relationship at some point um (laughs) it it just makes sense well i've been thinking about my favorite background pony um it's i usually go for lyra but i I guess since that's been taken i mean i could name my cat lyra uh so aside from lyra i would say um, Berry Punch. Berry Punch is good. She's good she's shit. Good. Bulk Biceps is good too. Doctor Hooves is pretty good. He could be better, yeah. you know. But he's around. I like him. I like it when he's next to and Rose. How have we not talked about Derpy? Rose Luck? I was gonna say. I, I was expecting you to say Derpy Hooves, but you didn't. Yeah. Derpy's fine. Derpy's. I mean, Derpy's for other people. <laughs> 
yeah, I, I don't know. There lots of love for like rose for for rose luck raindrops. Uh, you know, there's loads of good background ponies, which they should make the fucking show about. By the way, um, because it would be better than the show that we have now. KMS, I'll never get off the ride. 